0: Hello, beautiful people. So, quick little introduction for this podcast. This is actually the second half of an almost four-hour epic conversation with David Haralumbus, who is a behavioural science uh, analyst, not scientist, analyst, um, of almost 25 years' experience. And he is an expert in how behavioural sciences are used to manipulate people. The first half of this wonderful conversation was behind a paywall, I'm sorry, I have a paywall, but I need a paywall to support the show to support me and to for me to provide my family and to all of you who are paid supporters, I thank you and God bless you um to everyone else who as yet hasn't decided to help me doesn't matter. You can still listen to a lot of my content for free um including the second half of this episode, which I think is really, really important, and I really wanted everyone to hear it um and hopefully someday you'll be like, you know what, Damn I need to support this guy. He's a good one. So, yeah. Without further ado, enjoy the podcast. Right, right. We've we, we've gone for the wee. We feel much better for it. To, like, and you've only listened to one of my podcasts, but I pretty much say this in everyone, I've got a tiny bladder. I need to go and wee. And and the and the coffee is like. You know, diuretics—it so just runs
1: straight for me. Anyway, well, this is the beauty about just not hiding anything. So the viewers may notice the camera's a bit further up, and that's to hide as uh, you politely put it. How many chins are going on? Like, see, this was so funny, right? um Weight is something I've I, like. I've been doing a lot of inner work and shadow work recently because one of the things that happened. I got to a level where I understand this adaptive unconscious. That then I turned it on myself and went, oh, my God, I lot, saw a lot of my own blind spots. Okay, when you get to see your own blind spots, you can't directly see them, but you can infer them. So, you know, I know a huge amount about personal training and health and everything, and the heaviest I'd ever been was 90 kilos. Okay, I'm now 105. Okay, so, but. I, your, what was your running average? Like, where were you normally sitting?
0: um if, if the highest was 90 before
1: oh i would sit around 86 87 and okay. then literally and i'll be trying to get and then i'd be pretty fit and strong um and what's interesting is that you know i had a bit of a brutal breakup in may and all these things the so comfort food and all this stuff but
0: mate time heals even a broken heart
1: yeah but i stopped bullshit myself right and i've got a healing team and i've got you know um help me with my own blind spots and and i would like you got um, a healing team yeah i got debbie rebecca althea i've got this guy called bernard and you know we work on the stuff i can't see and how, 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 where do i get a healing team from well you you just say you can, <laughs> right, so is you, it expensive um well uh, it can be but literally it's so right worth it but i mean i've got really good people supporting me and you know and people like daisy and dan all these that have helped me over the over the years people in heart people in Pan. uh you know um just met some great people but mm. you know sometimes our belief systems get in the way anyway we haven not going into too much depth but i've been working on that and now i've suddenly eaten really well so the weight's starting to drop off and i think it's only a matter of time so when you mentioned the chins it was quite funny so we've moved the camera so i don't look so, so it wasn't like I'm looking at you. It was just it was it was, a slice, it was a number of things. We, I was noticing
0: that you're looking up quite a bit. Yeah, and you're telling me that this is because you you're holding pictures in your head and your image in your head. Yeah, so you look up at these images, but as you're doing so, you're speaking away from the mic and it wasn't the f- most flattering <laughs>
1: shot and so i thought i'll just raise the camera and come down and know, having it. people i spoke at rise and shine a few years I hope you ago. don't mind no no like the honesty otherwise we're going to fool ourselves right the and i'm comfortable with it now because i know that i'm, I'm now eating yeah it took me a while to get there,
0: but you know what? People think they they eat well all the time. All my patients come to me and say, "I eat really well," yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I break down. Well, well, what do you mean by that? And ninety percent of it is
1: yeah, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Go, oh yeah, I assume yeah, you Yeah,
0: do. I eat the, the best one. The best one, David is like, oh, I, I start off the the I start off the day with special K. <laughs> yeah,
1: but <laughs> yeah, well, this well. This is actually, this becomes relevant when you understand IAT, which we'll get into. I, I, I want to take these complex, you know, because a lot of the time they want to give them complex labels because then they look clever. was yeah, one of the things we're always trying to like look better than we are. You know, it's just, it's in our nature. Um, so, yeah, so basically I'm quite comfortable being quite a bit overweight, you know, is it looking at you over a sliced loaf and all that. But it's, it's a temporary thing. So I
0: like that. I like the fact that you've got ownership. I like the fact, one, you've got insight. Two, you've got ownership of it. Three, you're not offended by it. Four, you're like, I'm going to do something about it. David, honestly, respect. And I mean that. How off to you? Because, again, having treated thousands of people over the years, very, very few come with that.
1: But it's, it's literally a place you get to when you understand how the mind works. Because, yeah, I mean, what I know about health and fitness, I really shouldn't be. Well, I am right now, and I can make excuses.
0: Well, well, this is why I think a lot of people who are overweight and have got health issues have got underlying actual mental health issues or stressors or psychological issues wow. that need addressing. Yeah, well, this is the key point. And their yeah. weight is just a, a manifestation of that yeah. underlying problem. And trying to tackle the weight and not the root cause yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. is not going to work. Well, that's most medicine, right? So if you took the as being the analogy, which is going to be very useful in a little while, when the lights come on, mm. what do they do? Do they unscrew the bulb, turn the symptom off? Or do we look, why is that bulb come on? Yeah. Right. You know, I think Paul Check said, he said, uh, a headache is not an aspirin deficiency, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So, but here's the thing. Um, I fooled myself just like people do saying, oh, um, it's just cuz i've been so busy and whatever and then um, yeah. and i'm going to fast here and then i'm going to do that and after like a 100 days of bullshit in myself going on minute like, what the hell i've got to get to the root cause and <clears throat> and a lot of the time we wait is cuz of survival unconscious drives that you can't see survival protection mm. love all these things and i had all of them being triggered and i did a few sessions on them and and I'm not having to eat well now. It's just natural again. Whereas before I was having to eat. And it's quite, you know, when you know about it, and then, and especially if you know about behavior, but you're not able to control your own, there's a contradiction there. Mm. So I think we've got to be understanding the rule one principle, as, as Richard Feynman said, <clears throat> is don't fool yourself. And we're the easiest people to fool. Mm. Okay. And then the second principle I like is Krishnamurti, which is observe without judgment. Mm. And when you can learn to do that, you then get to see, you know, because you're not trying to pretend to be anything else. You see it as it is.
0: Mm. Okay?
1: So where we wanted to segment onto now is this-
0: uh, Can I quickly just say, you, we were going to talk about something before we, we yeah. stopped for the pee break. Were you finished about talking about that? King and all the medical treatment.
1: Oh my God, yes.
0: Because I want to quickly say something to you. As a clinician, nothing's changed. So, what do I mean by that? So, I have a patient come through and see me and say, Oh, I've got Achilles tendon problems, I've got plantar fasciitis, or whatever it is. And I go, "Mm, Okay, actually, guess what? If you sleep better, if you lose weight, change your gait, change your, you know, just wear a little bit different shoes, you know what? You'll be fine. Cut back on the running, you'll be fine. They get angry, they get upset. What they're looking for is a, a is it
1: no a jab all oh, right they want an operation yeah, yeah well they are looking, want, they're they're want looking a, yeah. for the simple right this one thing is about the brain so they want what they
0: want from me i think is they want a quick fix yeah. that means nothing they don't need to sacrifice anything they don't need to change anything in their life that is going to be expensive complicated and scientific and i'm going to say it's amazing and it's the best thing since sliced bread and that's what they want. That's conspicuous. Ending. Like, see, and if I don't give it to them, they think I'm a rubbish doctor, and they'll find someone else.
1: Yeah, but that's one of the great means, <laughs> isn't it? Do you want a convenient lie or the inconvenient truth? Like, but it's so key because when we understand the hidden drives, obviously there's a lot of policies being pushed now that have hidden motives. A lot of people pushing them know they're doing wrong, but a lot of people don't, and there's people in between. So. To make a snap judgment for a single cause and put everyone in the same boat is probably not the wisest thing to do. It's to really understand the problem at a much deeper level or allow us to have better solutions. Mm -hmm. So, if we now get into this realm of the adaptive unconscious and are right, so don't worry about that. I'm going to give some simple metaphors. And when you understand this, it's profound. You get so much power back. And if we can get everyone, take responsibility ownership for themselves and have control of their own behavior. They have no power. Literally we, so who makes a king? So hold on a sec,
0: Listeners, David doesn't listen to my podcast, but did you just hear what he just said? Every podcast I do, I talk about how we're going to inform, educate and empower. This is the reason why I started the podcast because I want every listener to be informed educated and empowered to make the right decisions for their health and their future so that they can be free. And David, you don't even listen to my podcast and you've just nailed it. This is what I'm talking about.
1: Well, this is the key because this
0: is the key buddy because
1: who makes a king? Let's come up here. say. So who makes a king people? The king doesn't make himself. You no. have to believe in it. You have to give the power away. Yeah. You have to be subservient. Right. Right. When we, but here's the thing. If you, if you're a lion and you think you're a pussycat, right. Here's what so many people overlook is literally it's the elephant in the brain. If you don't have any confidence or you doubt yourself, all these things, or you don't think you can have any effect, or you don't think you're worth earning whatever you want to earn. Did you decide that or your conditions or was it installed in you or did you learn it? You weren't born with it. Mm. a five-year-old runs in the room in a batman t-shirt saying hey i'm here yeah and the adults like standing in the corner oh don't do people like me right so let's own it okay up to 18 you're not responsible for it but at that point own it and then you can do something about it and literally i got into this because i had literally (laughs) i told my child like they weren't abusive parents they were lovely parents they just weren't Trained, they weren't given parental They didn't know. Same like, mind. So, so many things. So the lack of discipline. I'm very f- thankful not for now because I wasn't indoctrinated. But, but there's a lot of other things would have been nice. But anyway, let's get on to because when you understand how this works, the power comes back. Yeah, because the thing is, how works? What works? Well, how you work when you have like when I need something to happen i go see and i don't know anything about that i go seek an expert but i'm like not a fake expert do they do do they get results do they look at proper root causes do they know what they're doing are they not right? so i you know we that's a wise thing to do but because that's a wise thing to do it's used and manipulated and then people are giving all the oh the experts say this so you have a lot of natural phenomena And then that natural phenomena is manipulated to convince us of certain things. It doesn't mean the natural phenomena isn't wise. It just means we have to be careful because we've reached a point in humanity and whatever you want to, where we understand that as a group of people that understand this so deeply that they can make something look different than how it is. It's like the mark in Ocean's Eleven or any such movie. All the surrounding information is making it appear different than how it is. So the person assumes they're being conned. And there's a bunch of con men, tops of corporations, institutions, governments, and they're having their strings pulled. But let's let's understand why it works. There was a lot of research done on split brain, okay? And, And it showed some startling conclusions that don't apply just to split brain people. Everyone,
0: David is sipping from my I Do Not Consent mug. <laughs> He's advertising my merch. Please buy my merch. <laughs> Visit my website,
1: <laughs> docmalik.com. Anyway, carry on, David. So they get a they're doing research on split brain patients. Now, here's a fun fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's caused by illness or an accident or a lobotomy. The guy that created the lobotomy got a nobel prize for. It. i know i know okay i know Guy that created ddt all these things right so the whatever's trendy today might not be trendy tomorrow anyway so what happens in split brain patients is that the brains are no longer communicating <clears throat> and then we understand that the language generally is in the left side if you're left-handed sometimes it can be reversed. so if the split brain patient has two screens And on the right screen, they flash a word. Mm. The person can actually announce that word because the language part of the brain is able to translate that. But if they put it on the left side, the person cannot voice what they've seen. So that part of the brain can't voice it. And this is where it gets interesting. Because if they put saucepan on the right-hand side and then they say saucepan, and then they put something on the left-hand side, the person can't voice it, but they can draw it. Okay, here's where it got really crazy. So then they would put something on the left side that would then, or they could stimulate a part of the brain, and then the person's arm would move. And then they asked them why they did that, and they knew why, because they had stimulated or they'd they'd asked them to stand up in the left field. So the person had no conscious linguistic understanding of that, yet they did it. And then they said, why did you stand up? The guy goes, oh, I wanted to go for a Coke. So what the brain does is, to fit in, it provides a socially acceptable answer. But they created situations where the researchers knew why they did something, but the person didn't. (coughs) The correct answer is, I don't know. Mm. I don't know why I stood up. I I
0: don't know why I moved my arm. People really struggle with that. People struggle with saying, I don't
1: know. Exactly, because it's not socially acceptable.
0: And not just that. Their fear that they will be um, made to, you know, that the impression is that you're stupid and you don't know and you lose credibility.
1: All of these things. So they because don't
0: want to say, I don't know.
1: Yeah, so it's important to look right. But the wisest people will say a lot. And I'm trying to get used to just being, to stop filtering anything, to just be. But, you you know, it takes a bit of courage and confidence. But I think that's important. I know nothing. <laughs> exactly. But this is what the the greatest people through history have said. Like the hum is to know that we don't really know that much, but but then you can know so much about specific. Anyway, mm. so what was really important about this that they then discovered that there's a part of the brain, and they called it the interpreter, and what behavioral science now call it is the press secretary. Press secretary. It's a spin doctor. Spin- so if I don't you- want a spin doctor in my head. We've all got it. Ah, oh, shit. Okay, just learn to be friends with it. Really? And don't give it important tasks.
0: I think of like. Peter Mandelson wasn't he a spin doctor?
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> right. So
0: I don't want these people in my
1: head. <laughs> but, you need to under- right. but understand thyself, okay? Because then you can take a lot of the power away from it, and you can then make allowances. But you can't deny that it exists. Okay, tell me about this press secretary. If you said to someone, "Is your is yours hot?" Uh, mine, I have a lot of understanding about, and it allows you to stop bullshitting yourself, but. That was a joke, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it, uh so yeah, it was not very quick win <laughs> so if you said to someone, "Why did you take like what would they say? Why did you take a jab? yeah, yeah,
0: I ask people that all the time, and um, and it's funny it, i've I used to
1: ask it all the time I don't ask what are they what do they say? Well, they get triggered. Yeah, but it, let's say let's say it wasn't charged. When you ask someone why they did something,
0: yeah. So so they basically say to me, the answers I've had are, oh, because you know um, I needed to travel. I go yeah. okay,
1: um, because you know, trusted authorities. Yeah, I believe in the science, whatever. Yeah. So what you've Stuff got, like that. is you've got Overton's window. For those who don't know Overton's window, I think it was John Overton, politician. He said, what happens is you have a window. Mm-hmm. And the win- whatever's inside the window is acceptable to talk about. And you can ferociously debate within that. Exactly. That's what Chomsky was talking about. You get two people and they can have a. It's always Outside of that, theatre. It's always yeah. within the closely guarded boundaries of 100%. This. So
0: the answer is, and I see it everywhere.
1: Yeah. I've had one person. So, can I tell you where you really see it
0: a lot? Yeah. Question time, BBC. Oh, massively. It's like, it's like this, this debate panel. And, and like you'll have five people out of the six who are all basically saying the same thing in different ways. And maybe one little dissident who they can pick on and make to look like an idiot so that you don't want to be on their side well you know it's quite clever tactics
1: very clever but in sherlock holmes and all these like interesting shows when they have a conspiracy theorist on there he's always hugely overweight and stupid and all these things so they want to create the associations so the iat we need to talk about but iet I-A-T. iat so what you've got and control
0: panel or something yeah like that. Yeah, yeah we're gonna iet to that. So, control panel. Yeah, so try and keep track of yeah, it because yeah. be right, I, yeah. I love talking to you but like it's the flight of ideas it's like I don't know if you know this, but you're like, like a little fireworks, like fizzing off in all directions, and I feel like I'm having to rein you in. Something.
1: well, that's the beauty of doing something like this, because and then when you see pictures, because that's literally how my brain works. There's all these pictures there, but um, it has some uses. Overton's window, right. yeah. So, Overton's window—if you learn what Overton's window is and you learn how to move it—you can effectively talk about anything to anyone,
2: mm.
1: right? It's really—it's—it's. It's, there's a brilliant book called Persuasion, which is. If you go talk to the average member of the public, they've already been persuaded of a lot of things. You don't realize the inertia you're up against, okay? But if you do realize the inertia you're up against, you can open a window to talk about anything. So if I said to you, let's imagine you're an average member of the public, I said, is it important to talk about difficult subjects if they really affect us profoundly? Everybody say yes. Okay, I've just opened the window to talk about difficult subjects because you've agreed Mm. okay this comes from like so excuse me so can you ask the question again that's a good question to ask so and you can ask it many different ways so is it important that we talk about difficult subjects if they affect us in a deep way? okay once you've given permission boom. okay if you don't say that you're usually going to get shut down when you talk about something difficult
2: Mm. okay
1: but once people commit, you're effectively setting the boundaries of the conversation. So it's not manipulation. You're, you're openly saying, boom. And it's also about giving them the power, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you're literally lead. you're gently leading someone, because effectively ethical influence is, is making someone aware of something that's important to them.
0: Mm.
1: Okay? Unethical is literally making them think what you want them to think.
2: Mm.
1: Okay? And really, suck. There's a big gray area, obviously. but. Uh, <clears throat> It comes from, they, they did a certain amount of research and they said to people, they would stop people on the street, they'd say, would you like to try this new product? 25% of people said yes. When they stopped them and proceeded that with a question, are you open-minded, which 99% of people say yes to, then they said, would you like to try this new product? It goes from 25 to 75. You realize how startling those changing numbers are. So, so learning to, to open a conversation and set the scene, is one of the most important things to do because if you don't do that you effectively can can create all sorts of problems but you're not going to be aware often and this is the thing people shouldn't be criticized because we've not been educated in this okay yeah and so much of the, as i was mentioned when we went inside you've now got brilliant scientists who have publicly speak but they've got no training in public speaking mm. okay You've got politicians who have spent all their time in all the fluff in being, you know, being able to stand up and speak publicly on that and, yeah, I have no knowledge a lot of the time. You look at, they get promoted to a thing like the health secretary and they have no idea what the subject is. Okay? But they're <laughs> all narcissists
0: and idiots and... A lot. A <laughs> Not lot. Not all of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them are narcissists. A lot of them are me, 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 me type people. I mean, they, they're clearly, you know, got some brains, but... They don't have deep knowledge matter, and it's all about their own personal advancement. Ed Griffin, you talked about Ed Griffin. On my podcast, he said, don't trust any politician. They're the ultimate con. Because oh, the system, yeah, the system breeds contempt. Right? Cause- they're con artists. <clears throat> they're there to further themselves. They're there scam artists. You know, they're there about yeah, they're advancing
1: PR. themselves. Yeah, a lot of the time, most of the time. And the exception, obviously, gets thrown under the bus most of the time. But what we, there's a subject, and I don't think we're on the top, but person versus the situation and it's a book is one of the most important things to understand because most people's behavior is dictated by the situation and not their personality so if someone's put under stress they're going to act very differently to their natural way yeah so true this is why the narrative creates all this stuff can in everyone fit. look at that that like that's what it you you scare the shit out of people and then you pretend you can help them out That's literally one of the tactics. Anyway, the let's go back to this. This is
0: why I love Bob Moran. I swear to God, I I love Bob Moran so much. I mean, his pictures. It goes back to that line: "Pictures speak a thousand words."
1: I mean, he just captures. Do you want to know something else? Yeah, what? A word is a thousand pictures. A a word is a thousand pictures. Right, every word that we say, yes. Okay? If it's a sensory-based word, so say we said dog or desk or whatever, we're going to overlap pretty good. But when we use a non-sensory word, we're going to have the illusion we're talking about the same thing, but we could be talking about what's respect to you. So if you say respect, it might be completely different to me to you. And this is when you get cross-cultural things become very problematic because we're using the same words, but we have very different interpretations of them. Okay, and this is where it gets ripped, but that's, that's a big rabbit hole. But coming back to the the split brain patients, so what they discovered, part of the brain and the part of the brain, that job is to get us to fit into society, to get us to remain a part of the tribe. Mm. Yeah? Mm. So it's going to spin things a lot of the time beyond their awareness. So some people, when they're talking bullshit, they actually believe it because they've managed to delude themselves. <clears throat> That's why Richard Feynman was so clever when he said that. <clears throat> we, You know, we have to be honest with ourselves. We mustn't fool ourselves. Anyway, so we know now there's a part of the brain that's going to be the marketer, the spin doctor, whatever. And, of course, if you build that ego up and that gets out of it, then you're going to start believing your own bullshit. I mean, Oasis, they, they jokingly said, you know, you tell enough people you're the best band in the world, people will start to believe it. But they start to believe it as well.
0: Mm. So what about, what about that press secretary? What,
1: what's that press secretary doing in your brain? Well, it's presenting the best you. Right. okay and and whenever you meet someone on the first date, you're not gonna like. <laughs> it's funny, but it will. If so, if I'm on a date and a girl says to me she's not jealous, what am I thinking? You're jealous. Yeah. Why did you need to mention that? Because you've been called jealous, and then you're trying to inoculate me against you being jealous. Yeah. Okay. So, so, and people go, "Oh, are you work inside." Or you're trying to study me. No, you want to be understood, don't you? If I can understand you deeper, then that's a better connection. Yeah, I love that. That's so, great.
0: So, So, but the thing about people deluding themselves is 100% true. So I know some, some people who were actually involved in vaccination centers and vaccinating people and they were, you know, competing who could vaccinate the most and boasting about it. Couldn't wait to get vaccinated and everything, but actually, you know, say a few comments and, you know, disdain about anyone who wasn't keen on getting vaccinated. You know, Andrew Wakefield's name was brought up. Oh. Yeah, you're one of those those. and now now it's like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna have a booster yeah you know what yeah they're not very good you know these things don't work that well yeah and i'm like and if you remind them you're literally shitting in the bed because (laughs) 100 percent. if i remind them it's it's actually like amnesia it's like no i wasn't in the vaccination center i wasn't doing any of this there's actually a term it's uh, the, fogging my foot. It's okay. The, the amount of delusion is actually incredible. I'm, I'm looking at this person like, are you fracking for real? Like you were jabbing away like fracking crazy, yeah. and now you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I don't really trust this stuff. What I'm not into it?
1: two. Uh, favourous football supporters to watch their team play the opposition, and you see how objectively they watch that match. Okay, we we are biased, right? But the thing with this press secretary, <clears throat> if you let it run off its hook, there's a problem with the celebrities a lot of the time because they start believing that they're special and all these things. And, and you know, and there's, there's different types of, of ways to get social status. And, and dominance is not the best way of doing it, obviously, because you've got to force people. But prestige is okay. If someone does, like, we recognize brilliance. If someone does something so amazing that you couldn't do, and you go, oh, I like that, that's amazing. That and they're just doing it because they want to do it, not because I mean, how many DJs became DJs because they love music, or how many of them just because they wanted loads of groupies? Like, yeah, there's so many, and it's not always strictly one or the other. But <clears throat> if we don't understand the hidden motives, when you can see hidden motives, if you saw the hidden agendas, we wouldn't fall for them. The fact that it's so easy to hide them is why we're so easy to influence. But if we come now, so the analogy I wanted to move on to is this this control room and it's so key to understand why people really comply and do things that a lot of time aren't in their best interest but just before that you you touched on something really important where those people literally got amnesia and actually there's a term I think it's called and it was Sinead that, that told me about this who's a behavioral scientist who's really good um, she said um, <clears throat> I think it's called cryptomnesia and what happens is that sometimes someone tells you an idea or pe- a fact or whatever, and a couple of months later, you actually think it's your idea. <laughs> okay, the brain's doing this. It's literally always trying to paint you as the, the hero. The, I mean, look, at this is why Star Wars, right? because in the brain, like it was, it was Joseph Campbell that consulted on Star Wars. So Joe, those who don't know Joseph Campbell, he wrote The Hero of a Thousand Faces. He went around the world. Every single culture has the hero's journey yes stories right which is why it works which is why star wars resonates at such a deep level Mm. but how many people think they're the rebellion in star wars but literally they're they're working for the empire yeah (laughs) in fiction they they can see where they should be
0: i only came across the hero's journey recently when one of my listeners um i'm sorry i've forgotten your name by the way whoever it was they said you're on a hero's journey and I looked it up. I went, "Oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Um, so, anyway, can I quickly uh, just can I just read that out to anybody yeah. who doesn't really know? So, you've got someone who's been called to adventure. Like they don't they don't seek this out, and then they get this kind of supernatural aid. There's a threshold, guardians, and then beginning of a transformation. They have helpers, they have mentors. There's challenges and temptations. Then there's a revelation, and there's an abyss, death, and rebirth again another transformation atonement and then they return with the gift of the goddess i mean that's a kind of it's kind of ordinary world call to adventure refuse the call like you don't want to do this you
1: do, you're not being asked to do this you meet the mentor you know, it's called in gamification it's called epic meaning epic meaning see gamification i just want to mention that quickly because a lot of people want to look into this mm-hmm. gamification is coming to so many big companies Amazon, Facebook, all these things. So game designers worked out how to motivate people. Okay, and there's and Yak Choi has done a, a really brilliant. I think it's called Net Basically, all the levels in which you motivate someone. <clears throat> epic meaning is the strongest when you have purpose. Look at how many people the last three years went through so much shit because they had epic meaning. They knew what they were doing. It was so important. It was a purpose. That drove them through everything. Okay. If you don't have epic meaning; it's usually going to be short-lived. Facebook uh can't have epic meaning because it's pointless, really, isn't it? But <laughs> you know, uh, but we feel compelled to use it, right? They, they, not they, me. They use the other seven uh parts of gamification really well, so that's why people feel. Uh, so many people like this way. You see these memes, you know. I'm stopping Facebook, and then. No one likes it, so they (laughs) cry. Like, but it's quite funny, you know. um, And I I actually touching on comedy because David David Wetton and myself have been recording these short comedy videos because Oscar Wilde, I think it was, he said, "If you want to tell people the truth, you better make them laugh, or they kill you." Right? Okay. So,
0: so you know what? It's funny. I used comedy to try and get through on the transgender ideology because I'm really genuinely on on a level I'm concerned about. The whole medical ethics of it and informed consent. It's, it's, everything's linked, David. Right? Yeah. Everything's linked. So, for example, this drive to tell children that they're not in the right body. Like, if they, if a kid's confused, you say you're in the wrong body and you need to transition. And even the word reaffirming care. I mean, that's B- BS. You you know you know you're going to change someone's. Yeah, but that's Sex, the thing, when someone,
1: when someone believes in an ideology, and a lot of the time, if they've got incentives to believe in the ideology, like right. if you if you put on a death certificate one thing and then you get 30 grand for it, that's a big incentive. 100%. So you've got a, an industry now behind it, psych, psychotherapists, psychologists. But you wouldn't want to admit that's why you're doing it. So the press secretary will spin that. Yeah. and it will be a background force you're deluding yourself you're deluding. It's it, right, so, so no can i quickly say what happened with this so
0: i don't believe in puberty blockers i don't believe in this you know frankenstein surgery that we're now doing um for for vulnerable adults and whatnot and so i did a couple of tweets to to drive this message home right because I, th- I thought you know just use a bit of humor because humor can cut through things so i took a picture of, I Googled a young Indian village girl. And this is a young Indian village girl. And I posted it on Twitter and I said, this young Indian vi- village girl identifies as a Viking.
1: <laughs> right. Cause it's, it's so ridiculous. You're trying to piss as many people off as possible. Right? <laughs> so then I then did
0: another one with a blood-stained line. It's clearly just eating something, right. Some zebra or whatever. And I said, this line identifies as a vegetarian. All right. And then I, there was a South Park character who was on a mobility scooter. And I said, this gentleman identifies as a triathlete. You
1: know, they had that. Like, I mean, I don't watch South Park, but there's a scene that someone shared. They did that like 10 years ago where one of the characters comes in and says, well, I'm a girl and then wants to go into the girl's toilets. And they can't do it. Wow. Like they spotted so many things. So but- the whole point of my, my little tweets were to
0: say, you can identify as anything you like but it doesn't change yeah, it doesn't make reality it, right guess what i had um some complaints anonymous public complaints yeah By and we've looked in the 77th brigade it's a really militant people activists yeah, yeah, yeah. who are anti uh, who are anti anyone questioning the covid narrative yeah. so they're pro-government pro-vaccine so these activists jumped on this trans thing, complained
1: that I'm transphobic. Oh, well, that's, that's the um, and a, and buzzword. A, Whenever you hear the word, buzzwords, you know it's not their thought.
0: Yeah, and, then the, and the medical director, who's already been on my case about my views on COVID and the vaccines, took those transphobic complaints. It's ammunition. And refer me to the GMC. See. Without even a meeting, without any. No, no,
1: no. But it's Amanecan. What the fuck? Right. Remember when you said you found the reasons to, to feel insecure? He's, right. People aren't arguing about who left the milk out. Okay. <laughs> that is a situation where they can argue. Okay. It's all the stuff that went before. But they're so, not being honest with me. They're not being honest. Notes, right? You trigger so many ideas. That's why we're
0: fireworks off. But they're, they're, not, they're not being honest with me and saying, you know what, Ahmed, we don't like you. And you know what, we're going to
1: use this now as ammunition to get you. Let me ask you a question. If someone <laughs> goes to one of those doctors and says, right, I want you to cut off my genitals," <clears> they'd probably go, okay, and discuss it. What if they said, oh, I want to cut off my thumb? They'd be like, no. Okay. This is what someone said to me yesterday. It's only when you point out, Things like that. That's a clever way to show the contradiction. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been born with the wrong thumb. I've been born with the wrong thumb. I'm going to tweet, tweet that one. But, you know, for you, example... It, this, is what con- this is what skill and art does. When you can point out the yeah, contradiction, no. you can see how absurd the thing is because a lot of the time we're hypnotized by the story. So I've said the same thing. I said, why is it that
0: female genital mutilation is, you know, acceptably wrong, as it should be, but gender realignment surgery is promoted yeah but you see what you're. one is actually even more damaging than the other
1: Uh, you're pointing out someone's cognitive dissonance the contradiction and that's really key um but with skill you can do it in such a way that you can really empower the person now voltaire said this is one of the most important quotes in history this is the thing i'm lacking i you know what the problem is when it
0: comes to changing people's opinions Unfortunately, rather than having a sharp scalpel as I should the a the surgeon, shop I'm a bull in a China shop and I've got a blunt but here's the thing. scalpel. <clears throat> because I've not been educated in this. Yeah, but And I just I'm, from Glasgow, ne- yeah, I'm but, from
1: Glasgow, mate. I'm from Glasgow. I don't do bullshit and I that's, just that's needed. People said, like, you know, my one of my expertise is how to phrase something that a person can hear it. Mm. Okay. But we need a wide range of people saying a wide range of things because everyone responds to something different.
0: Can you just be in my head all the time? Can I just (laughs) speed
1: dial you and just... But a lot of people, we needed the people standing up and saying this is bollocks because the people that like, that speak that way, they need to hear it that way. And then, and of course... So all my supporters who like what I say, thank you so much. Yeah, that's why you read (laughs) that. But you see, the thing is, like... We have to understand that there's so many different ways to talk to someone. That's why. And someone said something yesterday at the event, which is all the different groups, like, it's kind of important to have so many. And yes, a lot of them need to work together, but it's so important that so many of them don't work together because they can't be controlled then. Mm. You can't infiltrate one group. You have to infiltrate them all. And that's powerful what's known as the kindle, which are all the hundreds of fires everywhere. You can't put them all
0: out. Well, I mean, I'm 100%. And that's why as a resistance movement, we're great because we're so libertarian in our outlook. We're so independent. We're, we're our own little cells, yeah. decentralized cells.
1: Decentralized is actually the key.
0: But you know what? Can I just say something? I do want to get through to as many people as possible, but I don't want to make everyone happy.
1: No, but then you- Does did. that make sense? Yeah. I know I cannot make everyone happy. But you can fight. but well, a lot of the time it's understanding the skill of rather than saying a fact, putting the a story. Yeah. You've not compromised any truth. You just learned how the brain works. The thing is you can't unlearn. Like once you learn a lot of these things- But go back to, listen, the control room. Yeah, let, go me, back say, to let how me say one quote. And
0: how we empower people. How do people understand how the brain works? IET you wanted to talk about, yeah, and how do we unpick with conversations? How can we help people who, people listening, whose relationships are on the rocks, who aren't speaking to their children, the children think their dad, mum, and dad are crazy, right. husband and wives well, aren't
1: right, so, arguing. I, IET is a uh, implicit association test. <laughs> if you got under the bonnet of your brain, there would be connections. You can't see the connections, and a lot of the connections are hidden from you. The most important years of your life set in your personality were the first four years, you can't remember most of it. You need to be a blindfolded mechanic. You need a way to deal with what you can't see, but then test the result. So that's like the long term. But IAT shows you what's in there. What does it stand for? It's an implicit association test. I think they do it in um, Harvard, a few other places. But effectively, it's looking at the output. So if So I think... Malcolm Gladwell did the one around racism. And bearing in mind that Malcolm Gladwell's, I think his mother's from Jamaica, one of those. No idea. Anyway, so he come up, he said, I think in his book, uh, might be Blink or one of his books, he... God, you know a lot of like, books, man. Anyway, well, so they're real educations when when you you when you... When you but he also- I'm
0: uneducated. But Malcolm, I, by the way, apparently I'm not allowed to say I'm a dumb orthopod anymore. Anyway. So I used to say <laughs> in every podcast I'm a dumb orthopod. I'm just a dumb orthopod. Right. But I had so many listeners write to me saying, "Stop that." Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Self-depreciation
1: is a habit that we do because we don't want to blow our own trumpet. Yeah, no. But
0: I, I was just taking the piss as well. Yeah. I wasn't
1: 100 percent being serious about but it. You know, could, I mean, to I was- be self-depreciating in a fun way is important. Yeah. But Malcolm Gladwell says the the most important book that he's ever read that really much, you know, affected his career and really influenced him was the person versus the situation, and that is a psychology book, and it's one of the most important things to so understand that people's behavior is is driven predominantly by the situation and not their behavior. Their behavior is important. So basically, only about fifteen percent of the population will resist the strongest of influences situations. Okay. Uh, look at how many people resisted like if you were the only one in your family that resisted everything you went against the grain that's rare okay and you've got to lord yourself but you also we need to understand that a lot of these hidden forces are so strong we also have to have a bit of compassion and empathy for those done and a lot of people i mean there's some people deserve to be in prison some people deserve all of these different things but Mm. not everyone for the same thing Anyway, coming back to IAT, it's effectively the connection. So Malcolm Gladwell goes and does this thing, and he comes out slightly racist. And He's like, oh, well, I'm not. He's not consciously. But here's the thing. Our conditioning creates associations. So I was doing some work with one of my coaches around money, and it came up with one of my connections as money equals bad. Okay? So what am I going to do? I'm going to move away from money. So what we have is, is the simplest metaphor – Your conscious mind is the rider, and your unconscious mind is the horse. If you've ever been horse riding, who who chooses where you go? The rider. Really? Well, it should be. What if the horse doesn't want to go there? What if the horse bolts? Well, the horse is going to go then. See, this is the thing, and your answer was brilliant, because that's our interpretation. We think we're in control, but if you learn to communicate with your unconscious mind, then you can take control. But we are at the mercy of our unconscious mind. So people with phobias can, for the most part, in rare occasions, and Darren Brown actually did a brilliant thing on this, where he showed that he created this placebo pill, and everyone thought it got rid of fear. A lot of the people took it, lost their fear. Mm. The power of placebo. And everyone goes, oh. uh, Placebo is amazing. What is placebo? It's mind. It's and, the power of the mind. And rather than and study the, them, the opposite is also true. Nocebo. Yeah. But rather than study it and have solutions from that, well, we can't sell that. But anyway. But that's a few answers. Really but the key is. It's mental. Placebo is amazing. deepest connections in your mind? Try. right, let's, let's expand this so you can really see what's going on. What's the busiest station you know? So anyone think about the busiest station? Let's say Kings Craft, <clears throat> Paddington. We're talking another. about train stations. Okay. Yeah. Imagine Russia. New York Central Station. Yeah. I've got American listeners. So take your busiest station that you know. Imagine being on the balcony. Mm. Rush hour. Mm, You look down. Yeah, mental. People heaving, rushing around. Looks like chaos. Yeah. A lot of people say it's not. If you took any one person, excluding those that are lost, (laughs) the odd person, what do you see? Purpose. They know where they're going. They know what they're doing. Exactly. They have a reason. They're navigating. They have a drive. Yeah. What if the people on the balcony knew exactly what the drives and what drove people to go here, sticks and carrots and all these things, and then could affect it? It's getting a bit sinister. Then you become the controllers and the rulers. Take it steps further. Each person is not a single you know, opinion or thought. So the analogy I like to use is that you're in a vehicle. Okay. Your conscious mind is the driver. In the passenger seat, you've got a gorilla and that's your fight or flight response. Yeah. The chimp paradox. <clears throat> chimp. <clears throat> you've also got a robot. And we should have picked a day when you didn't have this cough. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a frog in my throat. Have a
0: drink, have a drink, have a glass of water or something.
1: Right. So, You've got a robot in the car as well. Mm-hmm. And that's your automatic behaviors. Yeah. All three of you have a steering wheel, pedals, and the emergency brake. This is a recipe for disaster. Okay. <laughs> the chimp will always override you. Mm. So a phobia, so there's a very famous phobia of a woman scared of water. So the driver knows that water's not dangerous. But yet the chimp is going to hit the brakes. Mm. The robot is faster than the chimp. And that's automatic behavior. So if I did that, what would you automatically do? You'd raise your hand to shake my hand. Mm. Did you think of doing that? Mm. Okay. The most important part of all of this <clears throat> is the sat-nav, the GPS. All of you, the car is self-driving for the most part, i.e. the robot, but the robot has to know what things mean and that's IAT that's the connections so you take any subject masks if the robot and the chimp thinks that masks equal safety and no mask person is danger what are they going to do they're going to move away and so they're going to see that's danger so if the chimp, I was thinking they were going to drive over that person, not um, wearing them. In. Well, <laughs> well, they might want to, but that might not be socially acceptable. Um, this is why you have people stand on the corner with these signs kill the unvaccinated, whatever. People don't understand. This is why Voltaire said, <clears throat> if you can convince me of absurdities, I can commit atrocities. 100%. We don't have direct access to those connections in the unconscious mind. And what we miss is all of the presuppositions. And what I mean by that is the hidden assumptions. So if someone reaches that they earn 25000 a year, but then you can never breach that, mm. there is something in their unconscious mind that won't allow them to do that. And no amount of hitting the accelerator will do anything about that, because if it doesn't feel safe, the robot and the chimp are going to overtake. So if you're in the control room on the balcony and you can program... The set-navs of all those people to say that mass work, this is good, ivermectin's bad, blah, blah, blah. Those mm. people are going to think that's true. If the con is so elaborate and so convincing that everyone's looking around thinking, well, this person with a PhD thinks that's true, well, it must be true. I, you know, I'm going to de- you know, defer my expertise to that person which isn't the most unwise thing to do historically because if someone knows something about a subject far more than you do, the chances are that they probably would get a better answer. But if someone knows you're going to do that and can pay the PhD person enough money that they're going to delude themselves or compromise their ethics or any of that stuff, you're screwed. It made sense? Understanding this allows us to understand how we can be manipulated I had a dinner a few months ago with a brilliant um, – By the way, my, my brain's hurting a little bit, but carry on. Keep yeah. going. So I, I had a dinner a couple of months ago with someone that stood up so well in the pandemic, and they said to me, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm going to continue. I don't think it's having an effect. They know the algorithm to learn helplessness, to turning people into passive people. So uh, the amount of conversations you can get someone to start seeing what's going on, and then what do they say? What can I do about it? Two of those doctors yesterday, going back, two of those doctors said,
0: well, it's not like we can do anything about it. And I'm like, well, that's very defeatist. Look at the hidden assumption. See, the thing is, there's deep in there that... And by the way, for the record, frack that. We can make change. Only a tiny minority of driven, dedicated people can overturn
1: the majority. You just accidentally said something really key, actually. Um, I've got a habit of that. So (laughs) standing up allows people around you to stand up. Oh, yeah. It makes it much more acceptable. The more of a stand up, it's over. What can I do, said 7 billion people. If today the majority of people said, screw the banking system, all these things, yeah, there would be an absolute shit fest for a while. Yeah. But we would sort things out. Like if we knew, yeah. One of the things, one of the other assumptions, right, see, here's the thing we have to test our own assumptions so the majority of people think that all we need to do is know what's going on and everything will change it's not enough because in the soviet union and communism all these things everyone knew and actually one of the one of the things i was going to mention is that gossip is actually a key aspect so when everyone's talking behind the back of the leader there's enough confidence that suddenly rises that they reach a point where they're confident that other people feel the same way and then they can push against oh yeah Okay, but learned helplessness, I mean, th- th- there's a couple of videos out there from one of the, or something, where he showed that it takes three decades to pretty much make a whole country passive. And the Soviets knew how to do this. He defected to the U.S. So all these little, a war of attrition Yeah, where you think that you and and it, the learned helplessness effectively, if I was to sum it up simply, <clears throat> is for you to have a few options and none of them are good. So
0: basically, the way I look at it with learned helplessness is like, imagine you get a dog and you put him in the room and every single time he stands up, um, electric shock happens. So guess what? After a while, he's going to realize, stay on the floor. That's what they do. And if you do a second room and and the dog is standing, but as soon as he sits down, electric shock goes off, guess what? He realizes, just stand up all the time. Yeah. In the third room, the electric shock comes up randomly, sometimes sitting down, sometimes standing up. And it doesn't matter. Sometimes there'll be a pattern and I think do- the dog thinks, right, I figured it out, but then bzz, that dog is going to go insane. That yeah. dog will go crazy because it doesn't matter what they do. And then it gives up. It gives up. Okay. And this it is what we to do. Up. But if we can understand, <clears throat> we have been. By the way, I was in a relationship with someone with BPD and I learned, learned helplessness. Yeah. It didn't matter what I did. Something would kick off. Mm. You know, I thought it was maybe if I didn't get the dinner ready on time, I thought maybe it's because I'm late. If I get there early, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. So I learned about learned helplessness and the experiments that I've just talked about because of my own personal experience. And I realized this isn't me that's got the problem. I've learned this because of what's happening to me. And I need to extricate myself from yeah. the system.
1: So priming so key. Priming is one of the most things that they influence us, which is <clears throat> keep scaring the shit out of us and confused yeah all these and things so, change
0: change the information but, so, you, so you've got no you've got no stable foundation to build anything on and and i think that relationship that i had was actually very important for me because i learned from it you transcended it and then i see the
1: pattern and i see what's going on and right you mentioned frank you said the word frack now <clears throat> do you know where them, that comes from uh that was wasn't it? Yeah. I yeah, yeah. love that, man. I did actually. I used to love it when I was a kid. But... I loved it as a kid. And then the latest one it was awesome. See, this is why nostalgia actually is so powerful because, in fact, the four, there was a group of um, internet marketers, they worked out four motions that got the most clicks, and only a few of them got like billions of clicks. And it was nostalgia, I think, was number one. I love nostalgia. Then they had comedy, pride in knowledge. Love comedy. And then fourth was Shadowfold. It was what Sheldon have I pronounced it correct? Yeah, you're it's what is German, that? basically yeah. enjoying someone else's misfortune. So you look at a football fan, right? <laughs> who who does that? Well, if a Liverpool fan uh, is very challenged, like, and then Everton get relegated, he's going to enjoy that, right? I so, don't I don't really get that. I like that's in the I just same déjà vu there, like serious deep déjà vu. <laughs>
0: No, the reason why is that sits in the same camp as envy and and jealousy. I don't really get these. I don't don't take
1: pleasure in seeing someone else's misfortune. I think they're parts of evolution. Okay, but I don't don't like that. So if your neighbor 10,000 years ago, um, and I don't think the enjoy part of it is important, but to understand someone's misfortune is key. So if your neighbor eats a few berries and gets sick, Mm. Is that important information for you? Yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. Don't touch those berries. So I think what the brain does, it attach a positive feeling to knowing that information. Gotcha. So then, so this is a lot, okay. for the most part, I would say emotions are messages and signals. Yeah. In fact, signaling is one of the things that drives everyone. Mm. It's to, like the thing with the education is people want to signal they've got an education. The mm. you imagine an education is secondary. Mm. You've got to signal this because then they get more career money and all these other things. But Franklin was f- interesting because if every if every listener thinks about the story or their favourite song or whatever, so I was driving here, mm. at, which is a lovely area, by the way, and um, and I like Elton John's music, and I can like his music without liking who he's become. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's a bit one of those woke tastic people. But um, are you ready for love? Come on, okay are you are you ready for love and i just no are you well i hope so <laughs> and i felt amazing literally and i felt wow, great i'm gonna go do this podcast it can be brilliant all that stuff that's priming it is baby, brilliant it is, it is thank priming. you but um but that's priming right but how many times do we prime ourselves to feel good most of us, everyone watches the news. And I think it was Denzel Washington that said, if you if you watch the news, you're misinformed. If you don't, you're uninformed. I, so, I don't watch the news. Yeah, but it's literally priming people to feel bad. So negative, doom and gloom. Yeah, but of course, we need to know certain things, but how much do we need to know? But also... Really? Out of the news? Well, not the... <laughs> well, let's talk news is wider than crap you see on that thing sitting in the corner. But... But... I mean, feeling good for no reason is so key. So some of the stories that people can tell can be so inspirational. And one of the ones that was so inspirational was the fracking. And obviously fracking, I think, is terrible. But in New South Wales, and if I remember the story correctly, because when I was in New Zealand, I think it was Graham Sate that told me this. Um, He owns a sustainable agriculture company, but a proper one, you know, not one of these. You know, looking good. And they passed a law in New South Wales that fracking companies could come onto your farm whenever they wanted and start fracking. Okay. One guy. There's no. So he goes around to all the surrounding farms. I think they created a WhatsApp group. And they created a thing that they called Lock the Gate. And then they all had an agreement. When the fracking company turned up, you got in your cars and you drove to that guy's farm and you parked outside. And they all did it. And I don't know how long it took, but then the judge revoked the license. Oh, wow. Okay. One person inspired a few other people and they said no. Okay. And this is why those people that know to stand up, find the courage, stand up, find support systems. I mean, the amount of we've all been traumatized by the nonsense of the last three years. People lost friends. I know some close friends that have told me some tragic stories. Yeah, we need to support each other. We need to understand, be humble. To you know, so easy to criticize, and yes, a lot of people deserve criticism. All these things, but the greatest manipulation of all is to get us to stop accepting and being nice to each other, and get into bad mood. Do you want to hear a story? Always. So
0: I was on a podcast with Clayton Baker, who's a doctor in the States, and we were talking about medical freedom and what it meant. And I, I mentioned a dream that I had and just last week. And he was like, you need to put that on paper. So I'm going to read it out to you. And this is a story. It's a real story. It's my dream. They're the best. So I had this dream, and it's 50 years from now in my dream. It's 2073, and I'm 98. But the good news is I'm remarkably fit and healthy, like really, you know, 98-year-old with a spring in my step and a twinkle in my eye, you know, a cheeky grin still. I'm, in a, I'm at this really big meeting of doctors. It's a very fancy do, right? It's a big posh hall, dim lighting, candlelit dinner. You know, everyone's, it's a black tie, fancy event kind of thing. Women have all got great hair and jewelry. The guys are looking very smart. I've only ever been to something like this before. I was, was a medical graduation in 1998. And just like my graduation, most of these people present, actually, unlike me, are very young. They're mainly in their 20s and 30s, youthful, got all this optimism about them. And the lights are dimmed and people are sitting around these tables of groups of eight and 10 having dinner. And suddenly I get called up. I get called up to the stage and everyone's clapping enthusiastically as I'm weaving my way to the stage. Everyone's looking up at me and patting me and, you know, just like like they know me. And I'm like, what the heck? Um, and then I realize I'm on the speech to give a speech about, I'm on the stage to give a speech about what it was like to stand up to tyranny over the last you know, 50 years earlier and today, like, and how it took almost 45 years to overturn the events that we're currently seeing happening, and how it was in the dark days, and how we've now come back to this golden era that they're all sitting in. So I'm standing and I'm at this podium looking at these young faces and all clapping and they look very happy, congratulating me. But immediately my speech is very somber and they stop clapping and the, the smiles disappear from their faces. They look a bit sad and a bit concerned and they're listening. And I tell them, you know, I'm, I'm, I say, look, I want you to remember what I'm going to tell you today for years to come. I want you to remember what it took to stand up against the authorities, the tyranny, the establishment, and to stand outside of your tribe, because that's, it's lonely. And I told him how I and my fellow freedom thinkers were victimized, were name called, were bullied, and it wasn't easy. It was actually quite tough. It was painful. And we did, you know, we had to make sacrifices. And we did it knowing that there was going to be no reward, at least in our lifetime. I didn't expect to be at this meeting and being congratulated. You know, I was doing it for my kids. And it's a hard thing to do, to sacrifice, to lose friends, opportunities and jobs in the pursuit of truth and what is right. And I tell them that if they want to preserve the freedom that they currently enjoy, not just one of them needs to have the courage to stand up, but all of them. And maybe it won't be necessary for them to actually do this in their lifetime, because maybe now they'll go through such a long phase of freedom and liberty. But I tell them, look, remember the speech and make sure you pass it on to your students and instill it in them, because it may be relevant to the time when they're living. And by remembering the past, they will have the courage to stand up to the tyranny, because that's how the cycle of life goes. Anyway, the audience was very quiet, and everybody was stunned into silence. I wrapped up my speech, and I sat down. Anyway, I actually then wrote an actual speech, and this is how the speech goes. I mean, do you, is it okay if I go for it? So I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my esteemed colleagues." By the way, if anyone wants to find this, it's in my Substack. <laughs> Thank you for this unexpected honor. I stand before you not just as a 98-year-old, but as a witness to the passage of time and a painful era of humanity that now thankfully lies behind us. In this grand assembly of young faces, all of you radiating with vitality and promise, I find myself compelled to share a tale that transcends the boundaries of decades. As the applause cascades around me, I'm acutely aware that you clap not for me or that person I once was, but for the narrative I carry. A story of resilience, against tyranny and the struggle to reclaim the light um, from the darkest days. This black tie affair, the symbol of opulence and sophistication, stands in stark contrast to the battles we fought in the shadows to dismantle the structures of oppression. I implore you to listen beyond the surface, for my message is not of triumph, but of the enduring courage it took to withstand the storms of conformity the establishment and the tribal echo chambers. The road to this new golden era was paved with the blood, sweat and tears of those who dared to dissent. In the face of victimisation, name-calling and relentless bullying, standing against the tide is no easy feat. The struggle spans decades and the echoes of our collective voice resonating in every step we took are the melodies of a symphony born from adversity. As you stand on the precipice of what seems like unassailable freedom, remember this moment, not for the applause, but but for the responsibility it bestows upon you. Preserve these liberties you now enjoy, not merely for yourselves, but your generations yet unborn. Cherish the courage to dissent, for it is the flame that illuminates the path to true freedom this might not be your battle not in this moment of serenity but remember my words and pass them on to those who will come after you the cycle of life turns and in the ebb and flow of time they will need to rise again against new tyrannies as you stand on the shoulders of those who stood before you let these words echo in the halls of your memory and when the applause subsides Let the silence remind you of the responsibility you carry. Uphold the legacy of dissent, for therein lies the essence of enduring freedom. Thank you, and may the echoes of this speech resonate throughout the age.
2: My friend, that was was my dream. Was that an okay story? We don't realize how important stories are. Stories are far, far
1: more important than we can comprehend. Plato said, those that tell the stories rule society. Our brains are literally designed to absorb stories. It's how we pass on information. When I would tell this to people in our workshops and, and on podcasts and stuff, people would then get conscious and go, oh my God, I'm not good at storytelling. When your wife comes home and tells you about the day, what's she telling you? Story. We are storytellers. Okay? And obviously, I mean, I've been studying. This is a story we're doing. Yeah. I've been studying storytelling. And, and there's, I think it's Mike Dix, <laughs> funny enough, and, and he even jokes about that. But he he had some really interesting traumatic things happen to him, and he, he's one of the best storytellers. And I can't recall the name of his book, but you can, I can. But stories are so important, and this is why censorship is so dangerous. Mm. So what you said was brilliant. And if people could um, absorb and process that,
2: then that is the protection against
1: totalitarian. Okay. So there's a group of scholars now that actually think that the civil rights movement was driven by to kill a mockingbird preceded the horizon but it built the structures in people's minds to know hang on a minute this isn't right mm-hmm. we talk about law but so many laws from the past were not moral or ethical okay let me tell you a little story not as important or deep but the the metaphor the moral of the story is so important and it comes really from popper's work on um, which I, I will send you the quote because it's key, and you can post it, but it goes like this. Let's say, and, and I've created a story to explain this this because he said it in a very you know elegant way, but I'm going to use a story that I think gets the point across in a, a kind of easy-to-understand way. Let's say I have a theory that in my local park there's 100 squirrels. Okay. No, sorry. I have a theory that there's squirrels in the park. <laughs> okay? And I send 100 people down there with cameras for the weekend, and let's assume that they're all honest. There's going to be no malfeasance or anything else. And I say to them, right, take some pictures of squirrels. Monday morning, they come back. Only two people have got pictures of squirrels. Are there squirrels in the park? Yeah. Yeah, only two people. But there's squirrels in the park. What if I then censor those two people? No one will know. There's no scrolls in the park. There's no scrolls. See, science is based on, it's not, if you have 10,000 people who agree with a theory, if they don't know the theory inside out, they are of no consequence. Mm. If you have two people that point out flaws in that theory, they are the people to listen to. They might be wrong but they're the ones to focus on. And if you can use all media and you can delete all of the people with pictures of squirrels, there becomes an illusion of consensus and that's one of the biggest things that drives people's opinions. And there was an article, I just made a couple of notes because as you are talking, you just trigger so many important things. And there was an unheard article, I don't know if you saw it, but it was basically popping, um, it was talking about Yorkovich and you know, how he'd become the poster child for you know, resisting the jab. Moderna, it was about Moderna spying on you. You're um, talking about Djokovic, yeah. So about hero, Ma- by the way. Yeah. Love well, Look guy. at the names. I mean, there's got to be some comedy. Novaks, like I know. all these things. I know. But there was also pictures of him, you know, with one eye and all that. But here's the thing. And, and even if you look at some of the older pictures, right? People have been right. So if what do you mean uh, one eye? So basically, there was a few front page things where he's holding a hand over, doing all these sort of Freemason stuff. Yeah. But if the photographer, and I don't know, okay, this is the thing. I do not know know that he'd done this, but I'm sure a lot of the photographers get them to do this kind of stuff. Exactly. We don't know whether he wanted to do that or whether he was just asked to do that and thought it's innocuous and whatever. Because I've been in front of a photographer and they go, they tell you what to do and you just have to do what they tell you. And this is one of the, the things that they can get us to be almost paranoid of everyone because if they can get, see, the thing is controlled opposition, Okay. A lot of the controlled opposition don't know the controlled opposition. I agree with that. Some of them do. Some people are just mercenaries. So it's not black and white. And once you can understand the detail, and understand that the detail is really key because you can tell if people are good or bad or they're just awkward. Mm. Okay, so I, my gut feel would so, be... You know, I am always reevaluating.
0: Am I in some way being controlled without myself knowing it? Am I being herded and manipulated? Because I'm consciously aware this is how they work. Are you having
1: to earn money to get by in life? Hell yeah. So you're controlled. Exactly. Are you against the people that literally are running the taxes? Yes. Controlled opposition in some way. See, <laughs> once we start to break these things down, this is why thinking's so key. But the funny thing about thinking, uh, and I- I, I walked into that one. I can't remember who said this. Um, they said, thinking as humans is like swimming to cats. We can do it, but we'd rather not. Mm. Okay? And a lot of thinking isn't thinking. It's just, you know, so as we're talking now, Mm. I'm not really thinking. I'm accessing memories and stuff I've already done. Mm. If I'm sitting at home and I'm challenged with a cognitive dissonance, then I'm thinking. Yeah? But we label things as one thing, but when we go underneath, it's many things. Yeah. And that's where the devil is in the details. devil is definitely in the details. So the squirrels is so key because if you've got something, right, so a Cheryl Atkinson wrote a book called Slanted, and it's so key to understanding this. She talks of a couple of stories she told that were so powerful. One of them was that a drug company were coming out with a new drug, I think it was linked to cholesterol. They then did a series of study to work out where someone would validate the data. Okay. And then what they did was they hijacked all those places. So the person then hears about this thing and they go to all these different places, but all of those places are now in on the game. So the person cannot be informed. But what's even worse is if they think they're informed, Mm. they then get a false sense of security.
2: Mm.
1: So there's a couple of things. One thing is if you want to find if someone's, spouting an idea, parrots an idea that's not really theirs, but they think it is, do not ask them the why question because all you're going to get is rationalization. Ask them to explain what they mean. Okay, so someone to say that XYZ is safe. Okay, what percentage safe? What percentage effective? So then you've got to get into the details, and then they will soon realize they actually do not know
2: mm.
1: because this is something, uh, and I would say, Not to understand this as I'm going to say it now, because it's a little bit complex, but when you read it a few times, you will. It's a concept known as the illusion of explanatory depth. And it goes like this. Our brain will give us the illusion that we know things more than we do. And and this is why they say, if you want to know if you know something, try and teach it, because that will be the test. So during the pandemic, we created a website called The Script Book, and we were trying to take complex medical studies and everything else, and try and put them into a real simple article so the public could read them and understand. Put them in layman's terms, because a lot of us, I mean, a lot of the stuff when I read them, God, I need someone to explain it to me. So we were trying to do that. That's all the time with me. I realized there was a number of subjects I didn't know half as deeply as I thought I did. So I was spotting my own illusion of explanatory depth. The reason why so so problematic because they had a study where and i'll give you the link but I, i'll try and accurately describe it as much as i can they would go up to someone a member of a political party they would say why do you vote that way <clears throat> the person would give rationalizations explanations and then they'd say can we donate to that party on your behalf they go yeah good idea okay so why questions are fantastic questions but under certain conditions to explain why someone's done stuff it's bad because you're going to get the socially acceptable ones of rationalization etc but if you said to them can you explain the policies of that party what happens
2: yeah it falls apart
1: they have no idea yeah and then they suddenly realize oh hang on why do i support that party so but uh, i'll give an example i was
0: invited to a dinner um by one of my friends and he had one of his friends there who um, very high up, very intelligent, very successful. I mean, we're talking about multimillionaire hedge fund guy, ran some massive FTSE company and now is in hedge fund. And I'm sitting there going, like, what the heck? I mean, he's just very, very smart, successful guy. And um, my friend, who is quite awake, he's also a businessman, he was like, yeah, you had the shots, didn't you? And the guy was like, yeah. And I simply, like... This was the first time I asked anything controversial. He basically walked in the North Pole. He walked to the North Pole. And I much of the evening I was talking to him about that, going, wow, that's amazing. He walked to the North Pole, that's amazing. And so it was, it was none of this controversial kind of stuff we were talking about. Okay, it was all this stuff. And then I, I just simply said to him, do you know what's in the vaccines? And he got triggered. Yeah. And he got really angry. And his response kind of like really made me go, Whoa, like, I feel like you two are ganging up on me. And I was like, I'd, In my head, I was like, Where the fuck did this come from? Um, And I, I reined right back up. I was like, No, dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, just was wondering if you knew what was in them. Um, So that was a, that was a, what was in it. It wasn't a why, it wasn't, but well, he still got triggered. What could I have done differently?
1: Well, maybe nothing. See, the, the thing okay. to understand is that, <clears throat> You can only maximize your effectiveness. You can't guarantee anything. It's mm. an art, not a science. Okay, okay, okay. But when you understand the general guidelines.
0: Because I thought we had built a rapport. You know, we were chatting yeah. about other stuff. Yeah, here's what's and, happened And I was genuinely interested yeah, yeah, in yeah. him. You triggered shutdown.
1: Mm.
0: You, it was, yeah. the shutters came
1: down. Yeah, yeah. But you can't see the inside of his head.
0: Right. Okay? I, I'm just saying I was, I was really quite taken aback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I recoiled. Like I was like, oh, frack. Like yeah, I, can't, I, I can't say anything. Yeah,
1: I feel like anything I say, I'm on a minefield now. But if you'd have said to him before that, mm. can I ask you a difficult question? Are you open-minded?
0: Yeah, see, I didn't ask him that.
1: See, there's no lubrication. See, it is really an art, and of course, rapport and all these things are important. But I need to ask that.
0: Can you... I ask you a difficult question about a subject matter that's quite important? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and I, you're the sort of guy that really is an explorer. See, because the thing is, he probably didn't want to act that way. He but you can sometimes trigger someone's unconscious mind without them conscious. And then what happens is, so we did a presentation, which is how to respond to being called a conspiracy theorist. All right, let's do a little thing. So, um, oh, I don't think about I think this is nonsense. Then call me a. I think you're a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Uh, can I ask you a question? What did I just say that was conspiratorial? Every single thing. Okay. Can you give me an example?
0: Um, yeah, you just said, I don't want to think about this
1: and blah, 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 and blah. Do you see what I've done straight away? Yeah. I, I didn't react. I didn't do anything. I asked you to explain yourself because what are the, what's happening a lot of the time is people are not aware of what they're saying mm. and whether it's their information. So the conspiracy theory is the pre-prepare, you ever phone up the bank and you get that person that's reading for the script. Hmm. And they know how to respond to the most common things. And they can, And so the script that the public have been given, call him an anti-vax, or call him a conspiracy. They don't want to go there. It's difficult. But you can lead them there with the right, the right amount of skill and practice. And by the way, everyone to a tease, goes, I'm not very good at this. Like, we've all been shit at it to begin with. <laughs> okay. I remember a client when I was training in the gym and, and I got to do something. She said, oh, I'm not very good at that. I said, look, you've never done it before. What makes you think the first time you do it, you're going to be excellent? Right? Give yourselves a break. Set it up. That thought of judging yourself is not yours. So how do we get past the, the oh, you're a conspiracy theorist and blah, blah, blah? What do you say again? Well, one, don't be, like, <laughs> don't jump out the gate of conspiracy theories. Like, see, the thing is, the brain's actually built to conspire. So when someone says, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist, what should I say again to that? Um, what did I say? that was conspiratorial, okay. And then the few times, like I've had a guy go, where was it? It was there was a few social media posts. Some guy posts up, anyone that doesn't wear a mask is a, you know, selfish, conspiracy fit. Blah blah blah. And then I posted a couple of, uh, I think it was like the CDC or something. So I posted posts from his world that was. Showing that what I can't remember exactly saying, but showing basically what he was saying wasn't true. Well, what happens if they don't agree or respond to
0: it? So, take for example in my situation, what my medical director said. You know, I've had a complaint that you're an anti-vaxxer and that you're a conspiratorial person, and and I want a meeting with you. Right. So I wrote back saying. Okay, what is it exactly that you agree with this person who's made the complaint? Yeah, but you see, the problem here is... And what is it that I've said that's conspiratorial? And what is an anti-vaxxer? You know what? The problem is... I was trying to find information. And guess what? They never respond to one single thing.
1: But he's... Right. When someone says, show me the studies, what's the hidden action?
2: Hidden intention? To show that there are no studies.
1: Oh, go away. I don't want to listen to what you're saying. Go away. It's not, show. they don't want the studies. They're saying that, but they want you to go away because what you're saying is uncomfortable and people don't want to feel uncomfortable. See, when you understand that. No, no, but they accused me of being a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. So I said.
0: Because you were a pain in the arse." So I said, what, what is it? that's?" (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you see, that's not going to work. Why did they not respond to that then? What should I have said then? You're the enemy at that
1: point. Oh, so there's nothing at that point I can You've say got or do. You've to get on the same side before any facts or information work. You can sometimes use the information to get on the same side. So hold on. By that point, it was too late. Is that what you're Not, saying? Never too late. So It's then much more difficult. How
0: could I have gotten this person to get on board? And What's important to him? They want to make sure the corporation and... See, if your I motives...
1: I don't know. I don't know what their motives your, are. Well, if your motives differ from theirs you can't ever find resolution.
0: so I, I've been on their Twitter handle and I'm um, sorry I've been on their on Twitter accounts and trying to find them and they don't have a an, an, an handle that I can find but I've seen their name pop up and where they're promoting World Vaccination Day and all that kind yeah. of stuff so they've got clearly different views to certain things than me yeah yeah
1: but here's the thing like I had a I was at the was so what, what I'm trying to say is there wasn't much I could do differently there is always something you can do but you need to see things at the deeper level. You need to see the hidden action. So for one, if they see you as the other side, you've got to find a way to common ground. The, the same way with the, the football match. So I did that.
0: I said, I'm sure you and I can both agree that patient safety is paramount. And actually, it's really important that we should be able to debate things for our, and that we both share patient safety and and everything um, in common. And I even said in my letter, I'm sure we have a lot more in common than what divides us.
1: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you were doing some of the right things, but sometimes it's just a lost cause. If someone, if money is the most important to someone and you're threatening their money, like, well, how can you, like, you've got to get to the deeper parts of them? But mm-hmm. I, had a, I, was at, I think it was hold the line. The easiest people, funny enough, to talk to are the ones that scream at you because they're passionate. Okay, the ones that turn their back on you, they're the most difficult because they don't want to engage.
0: They don't want to engage.
1: So a couple of times, I'll give a couple of stories of when people were literally screaming at us, and five minutes later, we're having a deep conversation. Mm. So a guy walks up to me at Hold the Line, and I'm standing, I'm holding a friend's hand, she's from Jamaica. First thing was, you're racist. Where's this Hold the Line? Uh, it was one of the things, I <laughs> chickens. it, chickens. It was one of the things during the lockdowns where they would get people in a, and just literally hold each other's hands in a big line to show support for whatever the subject was and it was Mm. literally to push against the policies so guy comes up you're racist and i'm like okay would you want to talk about it he says oh there's so many problems in the world what are you guys doing i said i agree there is so many problems in the world but i said if you cared about something so much would you stand up okay yeah okay would you know why we're here And he doesn't know. He's just jumped on the bandwagon. People over there are bad. Let's go scream at them. He's so passionate, but he doesn't know why. So now I've shown him the contradiction. Mm. And I've been reasonable. And I've asked him some reasonable questions. And now he's got to stand there and talk to me. Mm. And we had a good conversation for like 20 minutes. And his friend, who was the -the turn-the-back one, dragged him away because she didn't want to face up to anything. Another one, we were at a march. uh, I think it was in Chelmsford. Uh, there was a lady walking along and there was some looked like uni students screaming at her, you know, anti-vaxxers, all that nonsense. So she went up to challenge them. So I joined her and I said to the guy, um, I can't remember these words, but it was on the lines, do you know why we're here? You know, and then I just got him to define. He says, oh, blah, blah, blah. You. I said, okay, so if it turned out the risk reward to children was negative, would you still support it? Like what can you say to like? And then we just had it. And I said, look, I'll be res- quite respectful to you. I know you'll do the same to me. We can have a difference of opinion, but we can have the same interest. I'm here to protect my community and family, and I presume that you have your same opinions. I'm, I'm saying we're on the same side, yeah. And and once you get on the same side, and of course, yeah, the guy, the, he's the way he spoke to the lady if we'd have told him to F off, that would have been justified. But would that have penetrated him? What would he have thought about us? It would have just reinforced it. <sighs> Taking the high ground is the most difficult thing. But if you knew, you know, the practical elements of it, I think we would do it more. Yeah. Because what you then did is the person that called me the conspiracy theorist, like uh, one of the examples, I'd shared, and he, and he said, I'm not listening to your conspiracy bollocks. And I said, What's conspiratorial about it? That's actually, you know, uh, an institution or whatever. And then he apologized. Oh. Yeah? If I would called him a sheep and an idiot and whatever, we've, right, here's one of the best concepts. I think it was Larkin Rose that said this um, Don't step in the ring. The minute you take a side on an argument, you've stepped in the ring. Mm -hmm. okay and you're fighting and battling the chances of convincing the other person through combat is not very high if you can forego and you know because yeah a lot of these people they weren't being told get staffed or what an idiot or a sheep they are yeah you wouldn't be in the wrong but you probably wouldn't influence them okay if you can get into their corner and you can show them now, what they're talking about is delusional, ludicrous, and you can get through to them, and then they can go, oh, my God. And that's so many people have said that. You know, they've got, they've owned up. They go, oh, literally, I was wrong, blah, 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 and then you move on. Mm. Okay, and that's why it's important to be humble and all these things. But, yeah, if you call – I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I've yeah, i got stories where I, I call people sheep and idiots and all those things because I just lost it, red mist. And then I go, okay, what triggered me? And I try and, you know, work on that. Because if you're immune to triggers, you are a force of nature. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's a gradual thing, and, and it's working on it. And be human, make mistakes. That's it. Fergus Greenwood said this to me. He said, um,
0: we don't get food to people by telling them I told you so, oh, no. or even with all the knowledge and the data. What you do is want to create little cracks in their little chink of self-defense armor and make them, and plant a seed, a little question, a little thought, and actually it might be days and weeks that go away and think about it, and what you want is for them to think actually it was their idea, they woke up to this idea, and when they do come back to you and say, oh you know what, guess what, you just go, oh wow, yeah, great, you don't go, I told you so. Exactly, (laughs) if you can forego, and that means parking your ego, having humility, and showing kindness. If you
1: can go into a room and smile, and enjoy what you did without having to tell others, again you become, and this is the whole point of the project I created, the reaching people with some brilliant people around us. If we can reach people, yeah, and we can allow them to see what's going on, the more and more people reach, it's it was all practical, okay? It wasn't about being right or wrong because there's plenty of people that have been right and had some terrible consequences, okay? Would you rather connect with those that you love deeply or be right?
2: Mm, connect
1: deeply with people see we've got to then let go of that needing to be right and of course it's so easy to want that and, and the times it will come up in me and it's just if you can notice it and transcend it then yeah brilliant so listen listen in five minutes I want you to really summarize
0: in a nutshell the psychology that's been used against us Right. so for example I'm aware of this thing that was called mind space yes mindspace was set up a long time ago this is like over a decade ago oh absolutely this predates so and and also you know when you say they know authorities and corporations know all of this thing i thought of behavioral science this kind of era of quite recent times is this going back way back have psychologists and and the people at the top the rulers known about this did they get the advanced copy and read up and brush up and be experts before the rest of us knew about it? Absolutely,
1: uh, and what you've got is it's, it's a moving scale. Like, it's just become so exact now, especially, I can't imagine the data harvested and things that they can infer. I mean, I think about what I know now compared to six months ago, I'm like, oh my God.
0: So I'll give an example. I always say you know, the best doctor is one who's a best psychiatrist because if you can read your patient, understand their wants and needs, then you can be a good, effective doctor and treat them. You can also be quite sinister. So what I mean by that is, if I can read my patient and I know they want an intervention, they don't want to do anything, I can do something that they will think that they want that will maximize money for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Knowledge so is you, power. Knowledge is you're, so, in, you're in a privileged position. So then you can quite... be an
0: unscrupulous surgeon. So I can start operating in all my patients. That's the whole point of oaths and ethics and whatever, and they were thrown out the window. So the oaths and ethics are there to protect patients yeah. from us. And that's why I go back to, I always think, you know, this education system, if the government really cared about its people, the things that we would be taught in school, right, from a, the age of four and five is personal finances, money creation, how to eat properly, how to look after your body, the importance of health. All the things that work. But here's All the, the thing. things that work. That's not where the money's and, spent. And they would also teach you about relationships. They would also teach you about psychology. They would teach you about how people work. What wouldn't you need? Would. I'm just saying. You wouldn't need them. You wouldn't need them.
1: Okay. Tony Benn said it. The last thing a government wants is a responsible population that can think for themselves. Okay, I'll sum it up, okay? And now I want to end, you've got to, you really want to end. We're not time. wrapping up. I just want to, I want a, a okay. quick, because we've, we've been we meandering for, we've got time. Okay, because I literally, it's really important to end in a certain way. And I'll mention why that is. We've right. got to, well, actually, let's just stop again so I can pee. Let's stop now. I anticipate it.
0: Well, I'm really glad, buddy. So listen, look, um, we're going to do a, a quick summarize about what we just spoke about, IAT, control room, everything. Yep. Talk about mind space, if you don't mind, and the origins of that and how it works. Yep. And then you're going to wrap up.
1: So effectively, people in the control room... And keep talking, I'm just adjusting something. Yep. So the people in the control room know how to indirectly affect people's decisions. And a lot of the time, the people won't know that they've actually had their mind played So if we go back to the car analogy, so you're one of the people in the station, but if we use the metaphor that your mind is the car, what they're going to do is if you've got two motorways to go down, yeah? Motorway on the left is comply. Motorway on the right is to not comply. They're going to paint the one on the left. They're going to clear it and make it easy. It's effectively going to be painted with Teflon. So you're going to slide down there. The other routes are either going to be roadblocked, hidden, sludge, and that's the what's known as choice architecture to make one decision more appealing to another. And if they can affect your feeling, or oh, that just felt like the right decision, the key is that that feeling is coming from those connections in your satnav which effectively is your model of the world, map of the world, how you see the world. If they can start saying that this dictator's good and this one's bad, then you're going to side with one side of that, okay? But they're not going to tell you. They're going to show you videos and instances where you infer that. And that's why implicit, and that's why comedy's so important, because unconsciously, you're going to build those associations. So if you looked at Jack Reacher, Okay, and any film filmmakers are so important in this. the The independent filmmakers that can tell a story. If you can get the people with the science and the and the truth and all these things to connect with a really good filmmaker, and they can make a story in a film, not factual, like not the just listing facts, but tell the true stories layer the facts in the stories that people can absorb them and that's why they didn't want any of the testimonials and people telling about their aunts and all those things because they knew how effective that was and that's why the community guidelines deleted those because they okay so you got the left and the right motorway so all of the mind space is really understanding the ways to send one down the path that you want them to go down in the mind space one of them's incentives. So, if you get 30,000 for putting a certain death on the, you've got much more incentive to take that left, right. So, you see, it's all about making one thing more attractive than another and taking the obstacles out of the way on that road. So, in people, so when you have people, um, huge corporations selling things, they want to make it as smooth as possible to get from choice to pay. That's why the one clicks and all these things. If you subscribe to a paid website, usually you can get it done in seconds. What happens when you cancel? It's forever. It's yeah to make it difficult. And if they do this so subtly, and if people are not aware, they're going to sleep sleepwalking down a pathway that might not be in their best interest. And that is where the mind space is understanding The elements, biases, heuristic, all those complex things are really making one thing more appealing than another. that summarize? So all of us in our vehicle, if we don't understand that we have a map of the world, Mm. and if some of our associations are not true, a lot of the time we're not going to be conscious of them. And that's why pointing out contradictions is so key. So when we're aware that something's not right, we can correct it. So you can have a different unconscious belief as you have a conscious belief. So I might believe that I'm worthy of earning X amount of money, but if my unconscious mind believes the opposite, and that's why we're so, you know, at the servitude of our early conditioning, But when we become aware of it, we can change it. Listen, look, having listened to all of this, my brain still hurts
0: and I still don't feel like I understand. I probably do, but I just feel like I don't. So what I'm trying to say is like, what I want to know is as an individual, how can I stop myself from being manipulated? What would be the right. biggest bang for your buck? Time on the mat.
1: I, the things that I'm listening to, right? So if I talked about cognitive dissonance, I had to watch one of the videos on that a dozen times before I got it. Mm. Time on the mat. Don't assume you're gonna pick any one concept up, but learn it until you understand it. Time on the
0: mat's like you remind me of jujitsu. I do jujitsu. Time on the mat. The more time you... How do you know about that? Uh, it come from one of the courses I attended. They talked about it. You have to, because the more you spend on the mat and drilling and everything, and that's how you pick things up. And understand that it's going
1: to take time. Create the right mindset is key. If you know about how you're being manipulated, you watch a magic trick, okay? And if you do not know how it's being done, it looks magical. What happens when you know how it's been done? Is it like, oh, Magic's gone. Yeah. If you understand all of these spells and tricks and magic tricks, that helps. But two, acknowledge we're all able to be influenced. So that's, that's a good one. actually. I was together with a group of behavioral scientists. We were talking about this. Don't watch your information. You need to read some news, read the article. Mm. You can be much more, Uh, protected from unwanted influence when there's so much stuff going on Mm. we can fall for stuff here's here's i'm going to use a sentence and i'm going to try and manipulate you and see if you spot it before i mastered language i wonder what the elements were that i needed to learn
2: what's the presupposition there before i
0: mastered language i needed to understand what the elements were that you assume that there are even elements in the language that needed
1: to be learned. And what's a deeper one? The assumption that I've mastered language. Mm. No one's mastered la- like. But you see how smooth that was because yes. this is the power language patterns. Because what it is, the whole con man is look over here why I do something over here. So the question, your consciousness went to the elements. Yeah, it did. It did. And I... you missed the presupposition. The BBC ran an article. When are you going to get your jab? What's the presupposition? What's the so a you're presupposition? Get, that is you're a getting, fancy way of saying assumption. You're, you're basically, you're going to get the job
0: anyway. Exactly. So the question is when. Yeah. Not are you going to get the job, or should you? Should you get
1: the job? Yeah. And this is what they do. They basically can layer assumptions so deep. Right. Every and this is a tricky subject. Every single behavioral science book, almost to a T, <sighs> uses vaccination as an example of how people are delusional, using the anti-vaxxer as the delusional part of the argument. The context or the content is just the story, but they're not questioning vaccination in any way. They're just using it as an example, but not one of them in any of the... And these are people that are questioning every assumption and yet, not questioning that one. What's that all about? That is a blind spot. So, basically, it's got to the point where,
0: you know, I, I say if, when it comes to patient safety, there should be no sacred cows. You should be able to question everything and anything. And if you proceed that, you can open Overton's window. So, but this is what I say I say nothing should be beyond questioning because if you, it'd be better to question something and, and actually be wrong. Then exactly. stay silent and, and actually you What does your cap
1: say? Question everything. And what does you do with Overton's window? So if I wanted to question something now, you couldn't say, no, we're not going to go down there. No, you've well, I mean, did we script anything with this podcast? No. Did I not say we can talk about anything you like? Exactly. You see the power of this though? Because I don't know my blind spots, mm. which is why I have a team around me and I say to them, look, if I'm missing something, please tell me. So now I've made it acceptable, you know, and it's not like we're, we're a flat team. They've all got their own uh, expertise and businesses and all these things. So it's not like I have a team under me. I don't. We have flat structures. We get together. We exchange information. We help each other, all these things. But we have this thing to point out each other's blind spots. And because we're allowed to do that, so there was a meeting a few weeks ago. One of the, uh, Debbie said something. It triggered the shit out of me. And I said to her a lot, that's triggered me. Like and we spoke about it. It was so nice because I didn't go away and fester. And was what she said was not wrong in any way objectively, mm. It triggered something. In me. And then I know okay, well I've got a problem there that I need to look at. And this is the thing.
0: Well, well she- then shut out because I need to mention these girls and and people. So basically, there were a lot of people, listeners, former podcast guests who wanted to advise me on who I should have in my show and this and that. So I create a little group, WhatsApp group, and so there's Jane there, there's Vanessa, there's Nat, there's Sally, there's Sean, and what they do is they recommend people and they tell me who I should get on. They go, you haven't talked about this, and it's yeah. a good idea. So is this what you mean by a blind spot? And they say, you know, have you thought about getting this person? You didn't talk. You never. You always pick this kind of people. Like you always have carnivores on. You should have a vegan on. Yeah, yeah, you know that kind of stuff.
1: But well, that's that is the That's how you really expand your learning. If you can be committed to truth, you can say, right, well, uh, once you get someone to commit to that, then it drops the ego a lot. I I had mine destroyed at some point. Um, My sister said to me, you always think you're right. I mean, she always thinks she's right as well, but she's not right. But she said that to me, and I sat with it. I went, she's right. But I knew logically I couldn't be. I can't be always right. So that's Mm. the ego, wanting to be right. That literally destroyed a big part of my ego. And then I realized I had to work on letting myself be wrong, making mistakes, all these things, because I always try and put this face on that I do a thing right and all this bullshit. Okay. And well, my kids are great at destroying my ego. Yeah. And when you become vulnerable in that way, I'm just a human being, you know, we all have a different expertise. Any one of the listeners, right, pick a car and know I am a noob at cars. So I had noobs that like know nothing. Um I talked to my friend Charlie. no he knows a lot about cars. like I'm not going to pretend I know anything about cars. I know nothing. I, I just bought a, um, a caravan, basically, you know to to have somewhere to go and research. and And it was funny, the guy come out to do something he says, I have no idea what I'm doing." No, I have no idea what I'm doing. So please help. <laughs> Tell me the. And then, like, this was like, oh, well, you need to lock that. You need to do this, do that. Like, but a lot of the time in the past, I try and pretend to be a know it all. Because I think Echo Tolly talked about it. with him, his drive to learn knowledge was to be accepted. And that was my initial drive. Okay. Uh, it's benefited me because, you know, I've read thousands of books and courses and all this because I realized I literally had no education. I got kicked out of school, but I had skills. You know, so I managed to go up the ladder really quickly in the corporate world and all that stuff. And it's just solve. That's my thing, solving problems. It's something that I'm really shit at. right? And I'm not going to pretend anymore. I'm not going to pretend to be good at things. I'm and then we can all get away, get around and then we can leverage each other's skills. And then you've got teams, communities, all these things. And I think that's what's happening. There was a Amanda Clark said to me yesterday, there's this, this I think, spontaneous order. Mm. You put people together with the right, you know, right, ethics and intention and you just solve it yeah did i explain mindspace enough so you've effectively mindspace has taught them nine most important things to get someone to go down one path over another where are those nine things quickly uh, rattle them off well they've called them they've used mindspace as a as the what's it when you use the letters to create the thing mnemonic yeah so they've done that so they've called them different things than they are so, if I quickly called it up, I could give you a quick. If you could call it up, have you got it? If you call it up, give me the letter, uh, the name, I'll tell you what it
0: Mind is. space, mnemonic. Hold on a second. I need to look I at it. I did a
1: video on this. Uh, I should do update it because I've got a much deeper understanding of it now. So, um, here we go. M stands for up. So, we've got.
0: Um, I'm actually going to share this on my screen as well so that everyone can see this.
1: So, I have. M for messenger right so authority principle he who delivers the message is more important than the message mm. so this is why people go you're not a doctor blah 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 right and you right. can do things to get around that but effectively who says it's really key okay, and the they've... more authoritarian authority figure the better
0: exactly the white coat the suit the and whatever. that's
1: why a doctor I knew a doctor that was going up to loads of people during the lockdown telling them masks didn't work and they took them off which doctor um she had a secret. She was keeping a low profile. I'll message her name. You might want to talk to her. Well, that's why I'm worried about they're going to knock me off because I'm a doctor and they can't have someone okay. like me. So basically, messenger is very key because, and this is why they paid the influencers so much money. Mm, they did, didn't they? Okay. Because it's, the authority principle is so powerful, but it's wise. But because they know that, then they dress it up and you've got wolves in sheep's clothing. What why about- is incentives, isn't it? Eyes for incentives. Yeah. Okay. Give someone 30,000 to put sign a death certificate. It's much more. Yeah. Give someone. The hospitals were incentivized <laughs> for treatment protocols, intubating, remdesivir, exactly. or whatever. All
0: incentives are basically. GPs were given money to vaccinate. Yeah. It's carrot and sticks. People were given
1: donuts to take a vaccine. Well, that was doubly so because what happens is, I'll quickly talk about this because it's a little bit complex, but the way cognitive dissonance works, if you're given a small reward, you have to believe in that thing much more because you can't justify getting a medical procedure for a donor.
2: Mm. So in fact,
1: that was used not as an incentive, but as a cognitive dissonance disruptor. Because you can't say, oh, you know, I took a complex medical procedure because I got a donut or a kebab. Yeah, I didn't get a poisonous experimental thing. Yeah. It's harmless. It's good for me. That's why they give me it. A... Well, that's why you've got to believe in the thing you have done because otherwise you look a jerk. Yeah. So in fact, the people that got the smaller reward believed in th- this. How uh, the he showed dissonance because it understand the brain's got to be in harmony. But let's talk about that another time. What about norms? <clears throat> norms is massive. Okay, that is the socially acceptable thing. So if they can make we are, it... we are strongly influenced by what others do. Yeah. So if everyone's wearing a mask, the pressure to wear a mask is huge. That's Just a peer pressure. It. Yes. Norms it. is peer pressure. Exactly. Wow, peer pressure is powerful. And that's
0: one of the reasons why I'm very much against the whole um, flu mist at school. Because you've got kids, and they're all lining up, and the kid that doesn't want it or spoken with the parents and said, yeah, I'm not going to have it, suddenly in that classroom, when everyone's getting up to go for it, where are they going to feel?
1: They designed, um, there was a couple of think tanks and vaccine companies. They designed. Um, a PowerPoint presentation in conjunction with the Stephen Hawkins Foundation, using an expert's name that's very well known and liked, they presented it in the schools. It was riddled with every single psychological manipulation you can think of to, to the kids. They then, um, I was doing an interview with Jackie Samson, and she said, and this was, went out in schools, literally, if they, they would say, put your hand up if you're going to take this and protect your family. Mm. What well, kid's are not going to put their hand up? If, a, if yeah. a kid didn't, they were called to the front of the class to explain to the rest of the class why they weren't going to protect their family. This is evil. This is literally how to get everyone right. So that's. Okay, what about D, defaults? We go with the flow of set preset options. Right. So most of the time, 95% of people do not change any default on anything, they leave it at factory settings. So you look at the opt in, opt out for organ donors. If you. Actively have to opt in. Only about five percent. But if they default you in, you end up with something like ninety-eight percent of people. So if you need to make a decision, you have to think. Mm. If you don't need to make a decision, you probably won't.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. So if you go shopping
2: Mm.
1: and you don't have your credit cards with you, you have fifty pound in your pocket. What do you have to do? You have to spend within fifty pounds. You have to think. Yeah. But if you've got a credit card. You can stay in this light trance and just throw They had people dressed in gorillas walking around Sainsbury's and people didn't notice. You want to know influence, supermarkets know more than most people. So yeah. defaults, really, defaults are really key. Salience, S for salience. Our attention oh. is drawn to what is novel and seems relevant to us. People don't give a shit about stuff that's not important to them. So when you're talking to someone, find how this is relevant to them. Mm. Okay? Right, okay priming our acts are often influenced by subconscious cues we touched on priming priming is so key if i prime you with a question can i talk about difficult subjects Mm. i've primed you if i played the song i'm primed uh priming is so key it affects us and it links into subliminal if in a supermarket and they've done this time and time again they play in the background french music sound of French wine goes up to a like mid 70s percent. If the music's German, the German music goes up to mid 70 percent. Really? But here's the kicker people don't consciously know. And when they're pointed out, they deny it. So wow. all the stickers on, like all the priming stickers. No on one the, wants to be told that they're a schmuck. They fell for it. Well, that's, that's a big thing to look at. But that's when Twain said it's easy to fool someone and convince them to be fooled. But um, what were you we talking about the stickers on the floor? It's all priming, priming to feel scared and to remember about the, the masks for priming, you know, not to forget about that. In 2009, they tried the scandemic of the swine flu. It didn't work, and then they looked and learned how they could make the next one, you know, because there's a whole machine that's looking. So basically the behavioral scientists, how do we convince people of this? They didn't care, like they're not, their remit isn't, you know, is this right or wrong or anything? It's just get people to believe this. Okay. And that's why all of those things, whether they worked or not, were done as basically persuasion tactics. What about affect? Our emotional associations
0: can powerfully shape our
1: actions. This for me is number one. How? Number one. Explain that. Your emotions, right. So why do people buy products? Do they like something, feel good. It's the feeling, it's the emotion. So you look at every Powerful right. Apple never sells their products on features, do they? It's all about how it's gonna make you feel, how trendy it's all about emotion. We don't realize that emotion effectively the tick to every decision is emotion. Really? And what they do is they get people so if they can get people irate and angry in a conversation, the rational mind shuts down. Do you know I don't feel like
0: buying anything? I don't feel like I You're a shitty consumer now because um i genuinely don't like you talking about apples i have no desire for an apple no i could use this phone for the next 10 years i don't care yeah well i I don't don't need the latest thing i like i'm wearing my own goddamn merchandise yeah but they're not the
1: forces anymore playing in your decisions i don't so most people but they're the hidden drivers the emotion is a hidden driver most people won't admit it but you know it's such an important thing emotional state so so many adverts you watch adverts Mm. it's to elicit an emotion I know. And this is the thing about what's really important with the flyers. Everyone packs a flyer with technically brilliant academic information. Look at the government stuff. They want to elicit emotions, and they have a nice simple picture and a bomb. It's all about emotion. Guilt. They ran a large-scale medical study before, uh, during the lockdown, I think it was, mm. to work out what was the biggest driver of people taking the jab, and it was guilt, courage. So they, that's what they played on. Okay? You don't do this. You're going to kill granny. Right. I watched a clip where a woman was being interviewed and they said, are you going to have your booster? She says, when I recover from the adverse reactions of the last ones, I will. She became so ill. But she said, the guilt of killing my grandma is so bad that I'd never go there. Oh my God. I mean, this is a, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going
0: to talk about stuff. But let's go next. C for commitments. We seek to be consistent with our public promises and
1: reciprocate acts. So what happens if you put your profile up? Um, I'm proud of blah, 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 or I've had my ex seen, et cetera. You're now committed to that position. This comes from a lot of studies in the 70s that if you can get someone to a small commitment, they change their self image and they believe the larger thing. So it was always just a mask. All these things were edging commitment. Mm. Yeah. You can't come out first day and say, right, everyone's going to take a gene therapy. But when everyone's committed every stage of the way, it's the yes ladder. We've got a wonderful video to show this and I'll give you the link. But basically, commitments is so powerful. They, one study, they had California residents, they went to them and they said, can we put this big sign in your garden? It's this big, ugly sign that says, "Please drive carefully." Seventeen percent said yes. They went to a different set of residents. They said, "Can you sign this petition?" That's all it was, it was signature. They went back to those a few weeks later. Said, "Can we put the sign in your garden?" It goes up to seventy-six percent. The clapping was a commitment psyops. Once you've committed to supporting the NHS and heroes and all those things, how can you then gossip about? they've changed people's self-image in mindspace page 66 they talk about people will not be happy when they find out about this document and page 67 it says people will not want their identity shifted and they have the power to shift identities okay what's the next one e for ego we act we act in ways that make us feel better about ourselves right um people make decisions to feel good rather than make good decisions by the most part Okay, if you go out and buy a massive cake because you're feeling down, that's not a good decision. But that's a decision to make you feel good.
0: Okay. So we make decisions to make us feel good. We a don't make we don't make
1: decisions. Good decisions. We don't make good decisions. And learning to do those, like the person, remember those studies, the people, the kids that could put off the reward, delayed gratification, had massive more success than those could. But there is much easier ways to get to that.
0: So this all sounds very sinister. It's like hacking people. That guy, what's his name? Johan Johan Harari. Is. What is that his name? Yeah. He talks about we we people are now biohackable and we can hack people.
1: This sounds like mind hacking. This is like we can manipulate if you can everyone. Unplug everyone from that control room on the balcony, you can let them hack themselves. That's it. Up to 18, you've been conditioned, you've got these things. From there, you own yourself. If you're still whining about your parents and all these things and you probably have every reason or rationalization to do so, but how long? For the rest of your life? Uh, can we turn that into just a memory? Can we move on and live our life? Because these things are, I mean, I had some pretty bad things happen to me, but now they're not bad. They were fuel. There were reasons to do what I do. Yeah. And I can look back on them and I can, you know, feel good about them now. Okay, And there's lots more to do. So do you think we, as a,
0: people, can actually live independent lives now and be free when there's these people manipulating us day in, day in and day out? You know the magic trick, it stops working.
1: You build communities. So, there's we other need, things we need.
0: so we, everyone needs to hear this podcast and learn about mind space and learn about mind manipulation and ta- ta- tactics.
1: Know thyself. We have to know ourselves better. And whichever way you do that, and there's not only one way, there's loads of ways of doing that. There's a ton of different books and research courses, shadow works, all these things. Our way is not the only way. There's hundreds of ways. Right? Now, let's just, have we finished all the letters? Yeah. Okay. One thing I want to touch on is, is the Sedona method. And the Sedona method isn't isolated. There's loads of different methods similar to the Sedona method. The reason that Mindspace works and the other things works is because we have primal drives. A lot of those primal drives are not relevant in today's society and we can actually unravel them. Right? One of my primal drives that was driving so much of my stuff, even embarrassingly in the beginning of the pandemic, was to seek approval.
2: Mm.
1: to be seen as someone doing good stuff and get all those pats on the back Mm. okay once i become aware because it was holding me back because Mm. effectively then it would be a hidden motive Mm. so if i had the choice between doing something and being accepted or doing something that was more important i'm going to be pulled it's like a car pulling to the left or the right Mm. so i did a lot of work and i would tune in to the feeling and the energy of wanting to seek approval because what does wanting to seek approval presuppose or assume? That what you're doing is good. Go deeper. If I'm seeking something, what does it mean? I don't have it. Yes, of course. So the people that are seeking approval, the virtual signaling, it's an signal, not 100%. It's a signal that they probably don't have confidence in themselves or they need outside approval. They're not. They may be insecure in some way. Mm. So that was a signal to me that I'm needing up. So I don't have enough love. My, my ex, when she dumped me, she said, like, insatiable, you know, such a you know need for love, I can't give it to you and all that. you know. So I had to address that. I had to say, okay, honest myself. Okay, let's look at my behaviors. All right, I was needy. That's a brave person to say that. Do you know how embarrassing it is to be that needy? But here's the thing. Once you get to the root good, of it. Good for you for doing that. Well, that's, the thing that's is, brave man yeah but the the power to surrender to that to then look what are the connections okay and then to change those connections a lot of people have standard connections installed in them i'm not good enough i'm not worthy i'm not wanted all these things take one of those which mm. is probably the most prevalent i don't think i've ever had a client where when we got to the depths of it didn't feel they weren't good enough okay what none of them realized. And when but we, I'm not going to be your client. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. Imagine that you're someone that said that to me. <clears throat> and I said to you, but did you drive here? Did you get dressed? You know, you're good enough for all those. Things. So yeah, it's yeah, a free flow in belief. And once it's installed, it causes havoc. So there was something in my deep mind, unconscious, that was like, I'm not enough as I am, etc. Once you resolve that, then you lose the need to express those things. So what you've got is the whole of society. The, um, Jung talked about this, and Lester Levinson literally healed himself in mumps, and he wrote the Sedona Method or created the Sedona Method. David Hawkins has done it. There's hundreds of techniques out there. I have, I have no seen,
0: idea about any of this stuff. I
1: have literally seen over the last few months a dozen people discovering the same thing at the same time and calling it their own thing doesn't matter what you call it. What is the Sedona method? So what is this method? It's effectively connecting you to the emotions and feelings that are driving what you're doing and then letting them go. Okay.
0: Okay. So um, how would that apply to me? Like I'm trying to figure it out, like
1: what, what it means. So if we had, right, let's tell myself, right? Yeah, do it on yourself. Like- so if I had the feeling, try and find one that I did, because once it's gone, this is the funny thing. Once you resolve a problem, the person often can't imagine what it was like to have the problem.
2: Mm. The
1: brain updates. This is the adaptive unconscious. So I had a client in Sydney. She buys a session for her and her partner because she has a problem with her partner, which is never usually works out well, but this time it did. She's sitting there, and usually a lot of the time if we have problems with people, it's the stuff that come before, clouds it. Sometimes it's the person, you know, sometimes it's both, mostly it's both. So I said to her, if you, so if you had a traumatic experience with a man, then it's going to affect a lot of the time how you see all men. Mm. Okay. and Parents are the most problematic of this. But you're not often conscious of it. You don't decide to do it. Therefore, it's not a conscious decision to change a lot of the time. You've got to get to the feelings and emotions. So I said to her, have you had any bad experiences with partners? She said, yeah, guy 10 years ago. I said, okay, on a scale of one to 10, mm-hmm. when you think about it, how strong emotion do you feel? She said, 10. I feel absolute rage. 15 minutes later, mm-hmm. I've walked her through some exercises. I said, okay, when you think about that guy, what do you feel now? She goes, what do you mean? I said, on a scale of 10, what emotion do you feel? She said, oh, I don't feel anything. I said, see, it worked." She went, what are you talking about? It was 10 years ago. Oh, wow. She did not have the awareness that we'd just done something in 15 minutes that had literally completely changed her understanding of it. You see this in phobias. had someone with a rat phobia, okay, and we couldn't obviously get a rat. So I showed him a YouTube video of a rat, and he's literally climbing the wall. Okay, and then we did the exercises, a few other things. I showed him the video, and he goes, Kind of cute, isn't it? But I don't know if I've lost the fear. Wow. This is what you see. See, the funny thing is that I think, in my opinion, conclusion I've come to is that out there in the world, there's hundreds of people now accidentally losing a problem. The brain's just found a way to let it go. Okay. And we do know the algorithms now to make it happen on purpose, and you can. There's so many incredible techniques now to shift those deep connections. How? Like, uh, what are those techniques? Are they too complicated to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I can touch on them, but the Sedona method's one of them. Okay, brilliant book. There's loads of them. I mean, we've we. How do you spell it, Sedona? Um, yeah, I'll give you the link. Uh, but it's yeah. one of many. Yeah, I think what people have realised now. My the way I explain it is that emotion holds the connections together. So if you think I equal not good enough, the emotion you feel about that is what keeps that together. If the emotion dissipates, the connection breaks away from what I can see. And if everyone lost the fear today of standing up, what would happen? Wow, that'd be amazing. You see? See how that Remember when we went in mind space, how effect emotions are so key. Because emotions, dry. like I had a, a lady from one of the Eastern European countries a few weeks ago. I was talking about, I'm going to do a workshop soon, which is how to stand in confidence. It's pretty straightforward to take away the fear of confrontational authority. So I noticed that the first, one of the first marches, I could feel my body scared to go and talk to a police officer. So now I spot the contradiction. I want to go and confront them politely, you know, and challenge and whatever. But I felt scared. So, okay, but that's not me. I'm not deciding to be scared. That's my conditioning. Okay, I'm going to own it, but not own it, if you know what I mean. I'm not going to say that's who I am. So I went through the process. I'll challenge anyone now. Yeah, I'm able to stay calm and whatever. I don't see them as an enemy to begin with and all those things. There are some evil souls, but, you know, it's a different thing. But it's not that difficult to change this. One of the biggest obstacles to anyone resolving any issue they have is one, seeing it, two, is letting go of it. And because, so hypothetically, let's say you've got a fear of spiders. Okay, so over here, the cup represents spiders. The glass is your fear of spiders. What do you think is protecting you from the spider?
2: The space. Your fear. Mm.
1: So what if I come along and say,
2: right, I can take that fear away from you. What am
1: I? I'm the threat. And that's one of the biggest reasons people don't change, in my opinion, from all my years of doing this. If you can get someone to realize that that fear is not what they think it is, and you there's many ways you can do this, but that's the safety catch. What I, I call it the safety catch because – people often don't want to lose their problems because usually there's a byproduct, a positive byproduct to what's going on. Yeah. And if you can't get that online, so isn't that like the basis of Stockholm syndrome
0: where like, well, there's paradoxes everywhere. So, so the, you know, their comfort, they're, they're in the knowledge of what is wrong and the fear is of the unknown and yeah. that it might be worse. Yeah.
1: Better the devil, you know, yeah, because in fact, There's a theory that's come up recently, and I'm going to look into it a lot more, that when you have a trauma and then you survive it, you know you can survive it. Do you often recreate those circumstances? Because you guarantee that you know how to survive there. Mm. Comfortable.
0: So people are comfortable in this horrible, dystopian government authoritating because they know the abuser, and it might be worse. This who is, knows? And they might, have to take, they, have, they might have to think. They might have to take responsibility. They might have to do things on a daily basis, whereas now they're just comfortable in
1: their discomfort and their abuse. There is a the school of thought in some of the stuff I've studied. The biggest fear we have is change. Mm. Okay, and if you can manage that, and this is why visualization of stories are so powerful. Why do some people like change? Because they're wired. The opposite. I'm like that. I love change.
0: I, I have a problem with... My wife doesn't like change. I love change. I have a problem with routine. I have a problem with routine. Do you know one of the reasons why I became a fit and ankle surgeon? Do you want to hear something really funny? Right. So hip surgeons do literally like two procedures, a hip injection or a hip replacement. A knee surgeon does a knee replacement or keyhole surgery. As a foot and ankle surgeon, I'm operating on tendons, nerves, bones, <laughs> joints. There's 36 bones in the foot, countless joints. So I could be doing a soft tissue procedure. I could be doing ligament reconstruction. I could be doing keyhole surgery in the joint. I could be fusing something. It's very variable. It could be very fine dissection. It could be like hammering with
1: whatever. What does that tell you about human nature? We're all different. We're all different. But we have the same software.
0: Yeah. So So I didn't want to be doing, do you know, most of my knee surgeons have the same operating list day in, day out for years. Do you know, in the 10 years that I've been an orthopedic, more than 10 years I've been an orthopedic consultant, never once did I have one operating list that was identical to the next.
1: Because that's the amount of variability. So creativity and variety is important to you. So what right. you can do is if you look at your own behaviors, you can start to understand the deeper parts of you. A lot of the time we don't. And that's why know, your, know thyself is so important. Know because a lot of the time we're going to try and pretend we're something we're not. If it fits in, Yeah, you know, it's difficult. Okay, and what we I wanted to proceed today with the point is, of today is going to be challenging. And I've been challenged, the last three years in consuming a lot of this knowledge has literally hit me into some really difficult spots. Like, why? Okay. The dissonance in, in seeing that I'm fawning myself and, and how I'm making something look something different than it is and all this stuff. But would I change any of that? No. I will not change
0: anything that I've been through because it shaped me into the person that I am today. Can I ask you something? All these people who are helping the governments and the authorities with this information, don't they think, oh, shit, we're bad people by manipulating the public and enforcing these things that are not in people's interest?
1: depends on their spin doctor.
0: Do they not have, okay,
1: See, they don't have
0: any guilt? They don't, they don't have any
1: grounding? Well, if they're, if they're told, this, if and they're told good, that they've helped save 20 million lives, It's a lot like easier to believe that than believe that they may have harmed someone. Or maybe the fact they're getting paid a big fat check. That's another incentive. See, that's the thing. When you understand it's... <clears throat> and we look through history. That's why ideologies are so dangerous. And of course, they now know how to incentivize. So that's There's why. so many ideologies. Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, like when I was a kid and I was being brought up in Islam, we were told all the time, beware of false idols and idolatry. And I was like, I was like what the frack? You know, I mean, Glasgow, Scotland. What idols are we talking? About? No one worships, worships idols. Like this book is seriously out of date. <laughs> and now there's idols everywhere. This is an idol. It's, this it's, that, it's that's the a phone. Wait, it's a and climate
1: change. Wait, go on. Vaccines. It's all idols. Go on to any of the. Right. We should hold opinions over beliefs, and we should be sceptical of our own opinions. That's what we spoke about it. <laughs> The funny thing is, if you go on, this is the thing, understand the hidden motives, the hidden forces. So we should have opinions over beliefs and always question our be opinions. Be sceptical about them, but attach them. The minute you say, I am a blah, 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 it's no longer a belief, it's an identity. But now okay. it's all about identity. Yeah,
0: but well, that's the problem. Everything's
1: about identity. I Identify this or that. Identity drives beliefs and beliefs drive behavior. If you can get someone to identify with a noun or a badge, Can you just say thing. that one more time? Identities drive beliefs and beliefs drive behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you can get someone to identify as an ex-supporter or a Y supporter, right, we think we choose our political party based on the policies. In fact, we agree with the policies based on the badge. See how far you around? And it's tough to admit, but the study, another time i quote you, a bunch of studies that will prove this. Um, I just want to try to find out that's really key is that understanding this, and, of course, this is, I mean, the amount of things we spoke about. Right. allow yourself to eat the elephant slowly, bite by bite. You can't eat everything in one go, okay? Know that when each piece of information you know, you know yourself more, you're going to have a much better picture of everything, okay? Know that you can have such a rich life and enjoy things, the, the more you can connect with people. And what I, let's, let's finish on something that's lovely. Yeah, positive. Tangible.
0: I want I want something that's positive and tangible. It's not gonna the audience be tangible.
1: It's gonna be beautiful. All right, beautiful. Go okay. for it. I'll talk you through it and any you watch your audience. So imagine something you want really something that's magical that if it happened to you would be brilliant. So for you a year from now I uh, had a farm. Someone give me you're sustaining yourself by yeah by having a fair exchange with with a group of audiences or clients or whatever it is, they are loving what you're doing. You're. Like, it's a year from now. You have that. So you have what you want, okay? And it's a year from now and you're just reflecting on the year of all the things you did and all the magic happened that enabled it to happen. The journey, the beautiful journey that got you to that top of that mountain that you wanted. And just sit there. And feel the deep gratitude and appreciation for having
2: that. Okay?
1: And that is how we start creating the stories and the magic of what we want. Not to focus on the problem, to focus on the solution. And make it happen. We did this exercise on a few weekends. And I tell you, if you have a partner, a friend or anything, tell them what you want and then have them play it back to you as though they're a journalist, writing the article about the amazing things you've done, and get them to embellish it and expand it. Because we're going to contain it into what we think is fair and whatever, and you know what we can, can, can do and all that. But get them to paint a beautiful, magical story and listen to it and feel the visceral changes that you have in getting that amazing thing? I think this is part of the problem of our freedom movement
0: that we don't have a vision of where we want to go. We keep saying to people, oh, we don't want 15-minute cities. We we don't want totalitarian regime. We don't want this WHO treaty. But we don't offer an alternative. The other side is very good at saying, this is what we want. We want this. And this is the future. And this is why we need to do it. That's firefighting. But what we don't do is say, this could be the better future. Like, I want to say to people, Guess what? Imagine a world where there's no income tax. Imagine a world where there's no passports. Yeah. Imagine
1: a world where the government, there is no government telling you what you can and cannot you're do. Get you there now. Okay, but it takes a lot of things to release those. Okay? So I think the thing to finish on is, if you're listening to this or watching this, think about the sacrifices and the courage that you had the last three years and appreciate that how tough it was to even the smallest acts of standing up and doing what you know is right, Mm. how challenging and difficult. We don't realize And a lot of – I mean, I had it much easier than a lot of people, right? All my family already knew. There was no – I didn't fall out of any of my family over this, and and my closest friends were already well aware of what was going on. I had it easy. I had the wind on my back. The doctors that were used to having the wind on their back because the authority of being a doctor, your patient always listens, and then suddenly they didn't listen because you no longer had the wind on your back. You went against the grain. Just appreciate how difficult that was. A lot of people have run out of energy because it's exhausting at times. But find the purpose, nurture yourself, have good support systems, You know, really know that and look after that self. Yeah? And we can create magic. Last question.
0: This is, you know, Nick Hudd, and I asked all my guests this. You're on your deathbed. You're in your mid-hundreds, surrounded by family and loved ones. What advice, health or otherwise, would you give them before you meet your maker? Are you all of well, you That's nice. That's
1: okay. Because one of the beautiful things I read was, imagine you're on your deathbed, okay, and all those things you wanted, okay? What would you give to be where you are now? To have another day as you are now. Okay. So 50 years from now, whatever it is. Mm. Okay. And you've had a lovely life. But if you could go back in time and else be sitting here and having this conversation, how much would that be beautiful?
2: Right. And you have it right now. Yeah. Enjoy the now.
0: So, okay. Tell me how I should ask my listeners, like something like 1% of my listeners actually subscribe to my Substack and support me. How should I appeal to my listeners to support me? Like, what should I be saying to them now, to say, you know, help me out because
1: I'm now totally dependent on their support. Be honest and authentic. Don't dress it up. Just be vulnerable and just say, like, like I it was some. You know, that's
0: it was really difficult for me. Well, I tell you, it was difficult because I've been so hardworking. I've never been unemployed. I've done so many jobs. You know, as a kid, I worked at my dad's market shoe shop. I then worked in a House of Frasers I worked in a bowling alley I worked as a okay, burger joint
1: Look worked how
0: beautiful it is now I worked as a phlebotomist I've worked as a doctor I've always prided myself in being independent
1: yeah, The stabilizers
0: and now, The stabilizers now, are off But now having to like almost plea others and ask them to help me and support me it's kind of like it's a bit humbling. Part I would of me is like, say, I would say, part of me feels it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. A, a little bit of me, it
1: feels like it's embarrassing. Well, here's the thing. I think there's some inner work that precedes this. Mm. Okay. Because what you're talking now is the output of your deep beliefs. Yeah. But when they shift, because it is difficult. I mean, I'm funny enough. I've simply-
0: the way I justify myself now is saying that I am actually producing content and I'm helping and I'm doing something noble and it's, I'm trying to, I mean, the thing is, you know, build. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a charity case. I'm actually doing some, this is hard work.
1: I do. I spend a lot of time on my podcast, editing. Sometimes write a book, build a call. I mean, build some way of fair exchange. Yeah. You know, cause it was, I saw a Facebook post the other day where someone said, I'm so fucking sick of everyone buy me a coffee. And I'm like, well, a lot of us have torched our careers. You can't have the best of both worlds, but you can understand their perspective because everything's given to them. I mean, the, the, Turning media to free was one of the, the most manipulative but ingenious things they ever did mm. because then all the good journalists that got paid were then on the tee of these things. They're and not going to question the hand that feeds them. Exactly. So we have to change the systems that we're in. And, you know, imagine you was able to write a magazine, fair price and all these things. It's really – I think we've got to – we got to think about this a bit deeper, and I already see one of the things. Just I'm like working. the NHS, is touted as free, but it's not really. Right. Well, that chapter in
0: that book. It's not really free, and also this, 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 the free stuff, the free email accounts, the free NHS.
1: Nothing's ever free. Nothing's ever free. Right. You think healthcare right. is expensive? You wait until it's free. Okay, when healthcare is is free, people consume. Sh- Far more amounts of it and much more than they need. And actually it provides negative outcomes and, in, and, and negative incentives because the, the people want people to be sick and using it
0: more so they make more money from yeah.
1: it. Yeah, I mean, like some of the models, like the NHS, like I might have a lot of the time people question success outcomes. But how could you do something and make have so much income and money spent, but really outcomes not brilliant? Well, I mean, I'll give you two examples, right? In America, they spend some, like, God knows
0: how many trillion on healthcare. And they have worse than most countries. They are, like, just look at them. Yeah. Right, just look, what has that bought them, right? So that's one, one example. Second example is the cancer research. Billions, billions get yeah, spent yeah. on cancer research. And look at the outcomes. Cancer rates are higher. Incidence of cancer is higher. Like, it's the worst goddamn events in...
1: in, right, in basically, um, you've in, got... Investment. Systems, a lot of the time, drive the outcomes. So I think finishing on... You know, just the listeners and the viewers to know, you know, pat yourself on the back. Enjoy the moment of like how tough it's been for you guys. Um, Be okay. Whatever they're experts in, I probably know nothing about, but we have put some books under here. So if they want to know more about this, we've got a bunch of videos on how to talk to people and connect better and how to get through to people much more effectively. You know, let's craft our skills, and and anything is possible. I mean, some of those stories with the lock the gate and all those, you know, people want inspiration, positivity. That's yeah. You know, but at the same time, we don't want that fake nonsense of like pretending it's good when it's not. You know, let's make it good. Let's you know, you know, gratitude is easy because you find things that are really, good, you know. So you know, it only takes a few minutes to just realize because it's so easy because. Compared, right, if you compare yourself to someone in an ivory tower with three Ferraris and all that, then you might compare yourself to someone that's got a lot less than you and you suddenly feel a bit more grateful. But this is the problem with the celebrities in the TV because they're always trying to paint this picture of how things are brilliant, but you don't have it. So then you desire those things and they can sell you to them all those things. 100%. So, yeah, fuck their bullshit. Like, (laughs) you know, seriously, make your own rules. You know, there's the disruptors. Listen, David, thank you so much for coming.
0: I need to let the listeners know that actually, you know, you drove quite a long way. You stayed in a local hotel just so you could come here early in the morning. I really appreciate you sacrificing your time and and your money to come here and inform, you know, my audience. Mate, I really, really appreciate it. And I just want to say thank you so much. And everyone listening, I really hope, you enjoyed the conversation. It was a, it was a bit of a, a marathon session. This might be the longest podcast I've done with anyone. It wasn't my target, but woo-hoo, woo-hoo. <laughs> no, Seriously, well done you, dude. Seriously, you did epic, epic. And um, you can find all of um, David's details and links and everything. You can send it to me. I'll put it on the website. Um, Everyone, thank you so much for supporting me. And if you can, and the ones who aren't, support me, please. That'd be a, a lovely early Christmas present. David, last words, anything you want to say?
1: Go create magic. All
0: right. God bless.
1: Thank you.